Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 127. As you can tell, I am not recording this in my usual location. I am actually in Kaga City, Japan. I am here for the THU conference, which I'm very excited about. It's my first THU Japan event. Obviously, this is actually, I believe, the first THU Japan event. Uh, I've been to all the THUs. I absolutely love it. It's really, really gorgeous. It's a little bit rainy today, but they're setting things up. It's still actually the conference hasn't started yet so i'm just stealing a bit of the outdoor space to record this intro okay what is this episode it is the graduate from 1967 directed by mike nichols and of course starring dustin hoffman and Anne bancroft and we decided to pair that with the 2012 film francis ha directed by noah bambach and starring his current wife Greta Gerwig, also director of Barbie. So it was really kind of a little bit more relevant, obviously, with Greta Gerwig involved in this episode. But yeah, we've been wanting to do The Graduate for a long time. I've been thinking about figuring out what to do with it and when would be a good time to do it. We thought it was the right time, and Daniel decided maybe we should pair it with Francis Ha, in which he explains his reasoning during the actual podcast. Really good episode. Uh, we really get into the graduate in terms of how badly it has been misinterpreted in terms of what's going on in the actual film, uh, and really kind of a, a cool, cool conversation. Okay, so because I am at TSU and I'm in Japan, we are not going to be doing a podcast recording this Saturday. I will be doing it next week. Uh, so just definitely make sure and follow us there. That's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant, twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant i am going to actually try to do youtube lives as well so um we obviously all of our pre-recorded ones are on youtube and you guys can check those out but if you want to uh subscribe to us there and get announcements when we go live you can check that out as well so that is going to be uh, youtube.com slash at martini giant youtube.com slash at martini giant uh yeah love to see you guys there but for now please enjoy the graduate and Francis Hawk. All right, so our movie choices for today are The Graduate and Francis Hawk. Yep. So I, this was very good. I hadn't seen Francis Hall yet, so that was good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see what else. Uh, the Graduate, I've seen many, many, many times. It was good to see it again, though. I really love seeing it again. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's a good movie. And uh, the reason we chose it is we've been doing uh, the very current films, or very serious films, or sad films, like The Last Picture Show. And The Graduate has been on the list for a while. The, la- the Last Picture Show mopped up all of the sad for at least the next few episodes. It's a sad mop. Yeah, that it's is a sadness mop. Full of sad. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Stop sending the sad. So this was good to sort of get into mm-hmm. uh, and do this one. Uh, and do these two actually was, was pretty interesting. I have some th- thoughts about the film. Hmm. Uh, oh, watching him again. Yeah. Well, you one you had not seen before. So this is one it. I hadn't seen before. So it was right. fresh. Right. So I have all kinds of thoughts about it and want to hear about it. Have people uh, in chat seen either of these movies? I'm assuming. So I didn't know that uh, The Graduate, after his third year of being released, was in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time. No kidding. Really? Yeah. Man, made that, talk about a million dollars in his first year. Yeah. 
That's you know, insane. Yeah, it's one of that's the, crazy. Yeah, she's. I also the just biggest found movie. Out. It was the biggest movie ever released released that year. That's that's nuts. So like up until up until Jaws, like that was that was the one they talked about. Like we have yeah. to come up with something like the graduate, the graduate verse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it Did was sixty seven. What's your name? Right? Um, who? Uh, who was? And Bancroft, who was married to uh, Mel Brooks. Yes. Tell me the story. Mel Brooks. I didn't know until I was researching for the show that Dustin Hoffman, when he filmed this, was 30 and yes. she was 36. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's kind yes. of ridiculous. Like, she, I mean, and like he it, just looks boyish and she looks a little frazzled because of all the smoking. The makeup was good for her, but she's yeah. perfect. But yes, I, I didn't realize she was that young. Okay, yeah. here's yeah. another little piece of trivia for you. That's good. Uh, so Dustin Hoffman was cast for the producers. Oh, he would have been good too. Actually, okay. yeah, I, I so buy that. I he buy was that. cast for the producers, but he yeah. went, asked Mel Brooks if he could audition for The Graduate, for mm-hmm. which Anne Bancroft was already cast. Right. And he said, sure, go for it. Because he didn't think he would get it, and he did. Right. And so he didn't go into the producers and went into the graduate instead. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because like I now I love Gene Wilder. I think John, Gene Wilder is terrific. Yeah. But I think that that's a fair trade, given yeah. what that role needs. Right. I think I think that's okay. I think and that you know sense. who was originally cast and was really pushing to be Ben was Frank Robert Fat Correct. <laughs> Was Robert it really? Redford. See, that <laughs> would have been right, right, right. And, they, and Mike Nichols said, "No, no way." No, he's he's too he is too attractive. Ben that's has exactly to be, what he said. It's yeah. like, have you ever been rejected by a girl? Yeah, and he it's goes, just impossible. What do you mean? He goes, exactly what I'm talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What, what does that happen idiot? to people? Does, what do you mean? I always get any girl I want. Yeah, yeah. I, I love me some perfect rhetoric, response. response. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Talking about? <laughs> Forget it. I'm sorry, you said a sentence, but I don't understand the words. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be true. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like the. Uh, Have you ever been poor? I don't understand. Yeah, poor. How much about? does a pizza cost, Robert? Seven thousand dollars. Seven thousand dollars. No, unfortunately, and sad. I think that was uh, with Bush, the first Bush, um, forty. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in that situation at a supermarket, oh, yeah. and he just was like, Bush "How much is that?" No, um, senior when he was campaigning against Clinton and he was a supermarket checkout. He didn't no even know about any of the process. And he was yeah. like, wait a minute, how so much is that? He was like, this don't, like, this is your first time in a supermarket oh in like, my what, God. 50 years? Yeah, He exactly. completely was like, wait, that's a register? And he was like, what do I do? You Will put Ferrell it on. used to do, remember he used to do a, a Bush Jr. impression? and so That was now. good. Oh, yeah, but, that's pretty good. Uh, what's his name did um, – he, he did this thing where well. he did this thing where he took like a bunch of like rolled up money out of his pocket and goes, "How much is this many? <laughs> How much is this many? How much is this many?" <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. What was the other one you were saying? Who was the the guy that did Bush Senior well? Oh, Dana Carvey. Love. Dana Carvey. He was that was dead on. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't yeah. be prudent. Mm-hmm. Thousand points of light. <laughs> yeah. Don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> good girl. Man, I pine for those days. <laughs> that's we, all we had to complain about we used to make guys. fun of someone because they couldn't spell potato <laughs> yeah oh those are the good old days that was thank god dan quail dan right? quail nice yes yeah good old dan probably quail. a freaking genius right now compared yeah, to compared yeah he's on. yeah he's uh 
Oh, oh, the times they have changed. What can, yeah, we, say? Have changed. What can we say? Okay, so, <laughs> so as I uh, said, uh, Mike says he's not see- he's seen the graduate. He hasn't seen Francis Ha, so he was in the same boat as I was. Right, uh, but yeah, I liked, I liked uh, the. Oh yeah, and speaking of Murphy Brown, Jason, uh, Candace Bergen was supposed to play Anne Bancroft's character alongside Robert Redford. Wow. <laughs> that wow. would have been weird. weird. See now, really, candy like, baby. <laughs> yeah, because I love like when you say candy baby, like I, you know that you know, Chris, that agents around 1970, 71, when they're going to friends' homes in Bel Air, and she was there, they'd be like, "Candy baby," you know, like that was <laughs> yeah. just candy, candy yeah. baby. I, I think I parked behind you, the valet guy. I How love you, Domino Principal. Yeah, fantastic, yeah, sweetheart. You're fantastic. <laughs> 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 oh lord that's yeah. totally it and yeah. yeah candy baby candy baby that, that did um, not like her father no she didn't no <laughs> because her father was a huge huge hardcore uh right wing no. fun that's a good time yeah was he really well yeah he was along the bob hope post-war right truman guys right yeah yeah and she was a hippie <laughs> Very there it is. Yeah. She was a hippie anti-war person, and she, yeah, was, she was almost killed by Marilyn Man- um, uh, Charles Manson. Yeah, oh, that's really? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was dating Doris Day's son, who was a rock promoter, who I think they based uh, the Limey guy off of Peter Fonda right. Right. off of, uh, and um, Sebring was his last name, and he produced the Beach Boys. That's right. They took Charles up to the house because. Charles, the Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the Beach Boys, was like, "Can you produce Charlie's album?" So then, when they he they moved out and rented it to, um, to what's her name, the Andy Polanski. Oh, oh, yep. Uh, what's yeah. her name? So that's yeah, um, Sharon the Tate. Sharon Tate. Yeah, they rented it to Polanski and his wife while she was pregnant. That's right. That's right. That's why there are a couple people That's from Charlie there. Manson's thing asking, "Hey, is you know what's Jace something? Is he here, man?" You know, they kept knocking on the door, like, "No, he moved yeah, out. We're renting." Here. Right. Yeah. Because he yeah. was angry that <clears throat> he didn't produce his album. Right. They took his song and used it for a Beach Boys album. Right. We had we covered all this on. The once upon a time in Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> I know. All right. No, it's good. So good. I'll it's shut up. Good. No, no, you don't but, shut up. It's just, but you get, uh, it's you get my point was that get she's lucky point. to be alive because that pretty much could have been her. Yeah. Yep. Now, my guess we'd question. have no domino principle. No, no domino, domino principle. principle. Can you imagine? What were we? No, I mean, no like Murphy Brown either. Uh, so Mike is asking, seems odd that there has not been a remake or an attempt at a remake of the graduate unless i'm mistaken i don't think there has yeah been. they've rebooted the the, the they did a, a play like they put up the put the play up um right. and they had uh david what's his face from friends uh, oh, uh david schwimmer played him um a while a while on back he looks also like pretty looks yeah like that character yeah it's a, it's still that is a very interesting thing because thanks for coming mike right on thank you enjoy i know it's late in- and I thought about that. I was like, imagine some producer pushing, uh, um, basically a, uh, a part two of this. 
<laughs> Isn't that in? Um, I thought there was a. That's in the story. play, right? It's like Isn't the graduate like they're, part they're married two. And like, <laughs> is, is it really? Okay. Is it? Buck, Buck Henry pitches the graduate part two. Yeah, and in Buck the Henry's player. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah he wrote really this. Funny. He wrote it. Yeah, he wrote, yeah he well, wrote based it, yes. off a, sh- a book. Book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, but uh, yeah, Buck Henry in in uh, the player pitches Graduate Two in the opening famous opening shot from the player. It's the Graduate oh, that's Part right. Two, right? Man, he says I, that's uh, now it all makes sense. The yeah, Graduate Mrs. Two. Mrs. Robinson's here alive, but she's had a stroke. Yeah, right. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the whole idea. <clears throat> but yeah. yeah, I love I love Buck Henry. Buck Henry is um, uh, unsung genius of the seventies for me. And, and SNL and he... SNL uh, Heaven Can Wait. He's great in Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait, and, and which he also co-directed. I liked I him as a kid. He also... I thought he was. Go ahead, there. Yeah, I just liked him as a kid on SNL. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, wasn't he, he also was... in uh, in The Laughing? Yeah, uh, yeah, let's let's look that up. I, 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 a... I don't want to mix them up. Let's see, Buck. Henry in this may uh maybe maybe yeah I'm not sure yeah like there's some I don't think so I mean, like I, I maybe mix it I didn't watch a lot of Laughing I remember uh Charles what's his face from Laughing who is also Bro. in uh, no um he is in um uh he's in Magnolia he's the guy at the bar in Magnolia he's also in he's the evil psychologist in Goodbye Along Goodbye he is um. Uh, what else? He is, uh, he's the country singer, uh, the terrible country singer in Nashville. Um, who's just like, well, we will be around for a hundred years. That guy, whatever that guy is. He's the laughing guy that I remember most. Uh, My mother and father were really into laughing. Yes. Goldie Hawn. They're to Goldie Hawn. Yeah, I love. I mean, I love Goldie Hawn. I still love Goldie Hawn. My, my favorite thing to see when on like Instagram is when Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell post little videos because they're the sweetest goofiest little old couple i've ever seen in my life they're just like oh they're struggling noodling around i'm like that's who i want to be i didn't really, I've, I've been trying i've been living a shadow kurt russell life with my hair and that and that's my that's my that's my goal now I totter yeah. around with, with uh with my wife and, shadow kurt russell. yeah it's it's really beautiful <laughs> that's exactly what you did you was like knocked him on the head <laughs> then got him into your house. Yeah, raised their kids. That's it. I just want to take over. Don't we mean she's probably got bad eyesight? No notice. <laughs> yeah, Talking of course about overboard. All right, we get a bit back to the movie. Uh, so uh, yeah, we decided to do *The Graduate* because uh, it wanted something cheery, and then I asked what we should pair it with, and uh, Daniel's suggestion was Francis. Francis Ha, ha right? because I'm a giant Greta Gerwig fan. My notes on Barbie aside. And, uh, this is, uh, un, this is my favorite Noah Baumbach adjacent film. And I believe it's because entirely because of her. Yeah. Like, I think I love that film. Yeah. It, yeah. it touches to the core a little bit. And yeah. I, I, I really love that film. I like, I think that Noah Baumbach is, I like, I like, I like his stuff. You know, it's Squid and the Whale's great. You know, he's got a, a few good movies. But he's never Marriage been, story. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we didn't like that very much, obviously. Um, you and I, the, um, but, uh, but he's, this movie is so much better than his other work and it involves her, which means that's, I think that she is the Steven Spielberg in this poltergeist. <laughs> he also, he also wrote, uh, uh, Life's Aquatic. Yeah, no, he yeah. works with Anderson quite often, actually. Yeah. By the and, way, uh, like, how he's, much he's, good. Is, he's very good. is Wes Anderson in The Graduate? 
Oh my God. Yeah. He's been like uh, the framing. Yeah. And he, just he gets imagery, a lot of that. It's like, stuff. holy, yeah. I, I hadn't seen the graduate in years yep. and then I'm watching it like, Oh my God, this is, I totally big influence, big, big influence. Totally forgot. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he evolved it. I think he turned it into his own. Yeah. Thing, but it's, but, but it's very definitely in, a cue. Yeah, what? actually, the Royal Tenenbaums. Royal is, Tenenbaums, uh, Ma- the character of Max from Rushmore is... Is totally it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's it. Rushmore yeah. Max is yeah. totally it. Yeah. But the framing and the way they did stuff and the mm-hmm. music cues... There's some really... I love the way that Mike Lee uses his camera in all of his movies. He has like he has some great framing gags, great lensing. There's a shot in Graduate that I love when... Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's the whaling the, the, chapter one though. The one that really, that, that really struck me, there's, there's lots of classic shots. There's obviously the leg, there's, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the one that really got me this time is when, um, Hoffman tells Catherine Ross about the affair that he's had with her mom and it's dawning on her what is going on and it goes, um, ca- uh, the mom shows up in the doorway and it cuts it like it moves down to Catherine Ross, but she doesn't come into focus the That's way right. a, the, like the AC would normally just go hit her focal plane instantly with the camera tip. But instead, it hit, the, the camera moves to get her and she's like totally out of focus and slowly comes into focus. And the moment she's in focus, she's like freaks out. And it's the greatest sort of visual representation of realizing what the fuck is going on that I can list. It's fantastic. Really, really brilliant move. What's what I also found out, and I found out in researching is I did know she married. uh, She's married to first of all Conrad Hall. She was married to right, right, right. uh, What's his name from uh, Big Lebowski? The dude. Oh, Jeff Bridges. No, she's married still to the guy that plays the country guy in Big. Oh, well, it's yes, Sam Mustache Man. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Yeah, that's right. Who is married to Sam Elliott? Um, oh, Rob, well, the girl that uh, plays um, Elaine. Elaine. Good They've been her. married forty years. Catherine Ross. Like I like Catherine I, Ross. I like right. Catherine Ross. Like I think she's good. I really like her in Butch Cassidy. I think she's great, Butch Cassidy. Right. Um, uh, drops keep on. It's just like, the first thing he said. Yeah. I can just think <laughs> so of good. her on a bicycle. It's like yeah. It's like, it's just I, like, I what I if do. we did a podcast and the whole time you guys are talking, I'm like, that's still like, I love, I love that movie. And I love how little that song works in that movie. And I have a bowler hat. Yeah. I'm riding a bicycle on my chest. So in just one screen, and I have a bicycle. It cuts to a bunch of stills of our history through Martini Giant as we go to the West Coast, get on a steamer. Uh, but yeah, like the, like, I think that there's the casting of this movie is interesting to me. First of all, as you already pointed out that there's barely an age gap between the stars. Yeah. Actually there's only all. six years difference between yeah. her and her daughter, <laughs> which is just sort of like, yeah, it just, it but just he looks a little bit weird. Completely buy it. You, yeah, oh, I mean, no, it. it's their performance. They do a little bit with makeup and, but the casting is perfect. And the, um, and it's especially with her, her performance is so like commanding that uh that she utterly owns the show she like and i would like i would say that like it is interesting like if if i had cast this movie and i'm about the same eh, like maybe not same time period but like i would have gone for (laughs) get like fucking ron howard and um um 
and Frau Blucher. What's her name? What's her name? Who's oh, rated? Uh, 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 why am I last picture show? Yes. Last picture show. Yeah. Um, like someone who is actually much older than like, cause I think that like, yeah. Cloris Leachman circa 1980. Imagine if it was George Hamilton and Sean Shaka. Now there's a movie. Okay. I accept They were a little bit old, but it was dynamite. Darling, I have to go to school and study. I can't. She said, like dracula um but yeah the uh, but like i would like i would have because the the movie that the movie that i truly the daughter loved, played by terry gar yeah like <laughs> oh my god yes now we're what now we're talking now we're talking like i think that the uh, the like the the movie that i truly truly love that i don't know if we've covered on martini giant is um harold Good. maud right yeah we i love about we haven't talked we haven't done it yet yeah i love that film a lot and steal from it sometimes it, it's so but i also love goodbye columbus Yes, true. Uh, but Harold Maude is like, I, if you talk about movies that you couldn't get made today, I do not, I legitimately think you could not get that made today at all. I don't think you can get the graduate <laughs> made today. There's no way you can get the graduate made today. And By the, the way, I should the, note the graduate rated PG. Yes, that's right. That's right. Even though it is very much about what would normally be considered R rated subject matter. This could almost be rated X today standard. Yeah, yeah. Like, or NC-17. It would be, yeah, it might venture into oh, NC-17. How strange is that? Just because what people might What the hell happened a, to us? Yeah, well, mm. but yeah, this is this is the kind of stuff that, like, it's they had to cast within the range they did because they were softballing it so it would it would hit a wider, a wider th- audience, yeah. Do you think this is Mike Nichols' best film? Because I... No, pr- no, no, definitely not. Definitely what's your What's his best film? His follow-up to this, Catch-22. Catch-22. 10... Yeah. 10 times better and totally forgotten. Mm. Um, but this is a very good movie. I it's like this movie film. a lot. Like, I like this movie a lot. This is, lot. This is pretty... pretty. So there's things like, you know, when you get to certain points in your life or certain parts in history, you cringe a little bit in certain mm-hmm. areas. Uh, what, what was the, Well, this it? movie definitely makes you cringe on purpose, right? It, yeah. it, is, it is... What was cringy? Well, what I didn't like about it is that Elaine... How quickly she just forgives him and loves him, like like within seconds. Yeah, well, I, this but, yeah. I think <laughs> this is I the most I interesting answer for that. The, go go, go ahead. ahead. I think she dislikes her parents. Yeah, just on the basis of maybe where everybody was at that time in the '60s, plus a little bit bratty. That and her mother probably was a cold, like pain in the ass Nancy Reagan type mother. That she just is like, I hate my parents. So you know what. Yeah, but, yeah, I think. But I when think she you're right. leaves, when they leave the strip club, and then he's like, "Come on," and she's like, turns around and he kisses her. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, here's, "Okay, here's, I'm fine." Here's <laughs> the thing, though, and they've always established this. She knew she's so smart when they're outside the Ambassador Hotel, which is pretending to be the Taft Hotel. Right. She's like, "You had an affair," because everybody was saying, "Hi, Mister." Yeah. You know, right. and she's smart, so she's always a step ahead of Dustin Hoffman. She picks things up. So that's why I feel like um, whatever you just said, I always felt she was the smarter of the two. I agree with you, Eric. And I, uh, to underscore that, what I would like to say is like without a few key moments in this movie, I would not like this movie. But there's very, very important things that happen in this movie that give you a window into what this movie is actually about. Because like I think that your I think your read, Chris, is totally on point in that they don't do anything to like 
they just let her be sort of a pushover in this yes. movie. Right? Which, and, which is and, confusing because she goes to Berkeley. Right. Which, which they, they, I was going to say, like, like the fact that she goes to Berkeley and you see these little windows into her normal, that into her life outside of this, which right. makes me go that this is a, this is bullshit. It's, it's all bullshit. Like, she is as much of a manipulator as he is, as Mrs. Robinson She's is, her as everybody mother. is. Like, like everybody here is actually uh, lying to themselves and a very selfish person. Yes, and they're they're now, playing out scenes that they want to play out yeah. because it gives them a sense of drama in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like when Mrs. Robinson first sees him at the church in the end, like. Her milk toast husband, played by the amazing uh, mayor from Jaws, uh, like he's right. like, I'm going to go and stop him, and she's like, No, you're not. Like she, you can see that she's fucking savoring this moment. That everything is ruined is what she really wants. Like she wants everything and everyone to feel as badly as she does for her own choices. Like everything and- is fucking awful. Good. That's what she wants. And like I think that uh, Murray, um, um, uh, what's up? The the, the henpecked husband there. Like I think he wants what he gets. I think that Catherine wants uh, Catherine Ross wants, wants what she gets. And I think that um, Dustin Hoffman uh, acts the way he wants. It's just that because we see that he's in he's acting selfishly because we see the other side of um, all the things he's doing. He's being this being this verging on creepy stalker. That pushy is... asshole like you feel more sympathy towards him because you're with him all the time but i believe all these characters are exactly like him like i don't like anybody in this movie i think they're all well, really they're terrible all people yes yeah uh but just quickly i think some of her anger too comes from she's so intuitive Catherine ross i think she dislikes her parents because she probably knew her mother was cheating on her husband her father for so mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. right that she just has lost respect in them but she right. kind of plays along because they have money if she thought that her mother's story about being raped by dustin hoffman were true she wouldn't even be in the same room with him like that wouldn't even she's not gonna be someone who goes to berkeley and then she's like guess i'll give that this rapist a chance <laughs> like that's not even gonna happen like maybe we should explain this for those who haven't yes, seen the true. movie right because <laughs> it's not gonna make any sense that's right. kind of the point of this mm-hmm. podcast well, let's just get started. Let's get, let's talk our way through it. Okay, so right. the graduate by Mike Lee, Mike Nichols, Nichols rather than Mike Mike Nichols. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you said by that earlier, and I was thinking I was like, English. Yeah, no, sorry. Directed by Mike Nichols, starring Dustin Hoffman, uh, Catherine Ross, uh, and uh, Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft. And Bancroft uh, plays a Mr. Robinson. The entire movie is the soundtrack of uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Yes, exactly. Multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> the yeah, same song many times. needle drops ever. There's some great ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great ones. Really good music yeah. throughout this whole thing that actually makes sense. Like, how can you do all Simon and Garfunkel and be so perfect for this entire movie? Uh, really good. Um, and and uh, I also want to say we uh, that we have to give a shout out to uh, we mentioned him uh, before, but the amazing Murray Hamilton uh, from Jaws, the mayor from Jaws. This is his other great role as the uh, as the alcoholic douchebag husband. He's, Partner, yeah, hysterically Wasn't funny. He also in 
Parallax or one of those movies. No, he's in. Uh, no, you're thinking of William Daniels, who I was also going to bring up, who's in Parallax View, and he plays the dad of Dustin Hoffman, who's amazing. That's and it. he's That's also it. amazing in this movie, and also the voice of Kit on Knight Rider, and the voice of Kit <laughs> on Knight Rider. Yes, exactly. So he's uh, he's in Alzheimer. He's in the Pantheon. Obviously, he's got a very just dis- like. Like a voice that you yeah recognize. he always talks like yeah it's yeah. like just a second you just know? a second <laughs> exactly it's um, almost like a light version of um the uh, lemon uh, Jack Lemon yes yes exactly like yeah he's got like this has a, such a great ca- background cast like all the support cast in this movie uh make uh Dustin Hoffman who is an unlikable uh a terrible person in this film throughout uh very watchable. <laughs> like i think right. he's very good but you have buck henry you got this is uh, one of norman fell first you know big films yes this is a big yeah. breakthrough for him right and uh it's it's lucky that people misperceive this movie so thoroughly that as if he is a good likable hero uh that they should invest in uh that he had a career because i think he's a uh like i identify with him in that i have also been a louse like this Oh, when and you then, just come out of school, man. Oh, it's your fucking ass. I mean, like, you're basically an asshole for the first nearly 30 years of your life. That's more or less the truth for really? everybody. To a, to an extent, yes. Well, some of us longer, you know. Like, but we still love Eric. 38, 40, oh, maybe. Oh, what a douche. <laughs> maybe 43. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like, it, it's, like, it, it's, it very, this movie very much, and it is, I mean this in terms of setup. I think of this movie in the same way I think about, um, uh, Catcher in the Rye, for instance, mm. which I love. It's a wonderful book. Like it is a very empathic view of how selfish and terrible you can be when you're young. Well, uh, not just all of them are selfish, and all of them are selfish and terrible. So, yeah. so, but let's just let's just be clear about this. This is a comedy, and it is extraordinarily funny. Oh, it's super funny, right? Yes. And so that's that their selfishness and their inability to separate themselves from what the other person, like they, they all live in an alternate reality. Yes. And they're all fighting to not be part of anyone else's reality. Well, like, yeah, because this is what's <laughs> wonderful about this. This is an incredibly cynical film. Um, and uh, the upshot, at least the point of view that I come from on this movie is that in my most cynical moments, I think of, uh, like I think of the the graduate problem where you where like you believe you're the hero who's fighting against these villains like your parents et cetera et cetera when actually you are right on the path to become them right <laughs> like they they are terrible people and you are also a terrible person but because you think you're the star of the show you think you're the good guy and there you go and that's basically what this movie emphasizes and that's one of the one of the golden moments of course is the very end, which we'll underscores this <laughs> tremendously. We'll get to Okay, so we start off with uh, Dustin Hoffman uh, literally getting a, uh, getting on an airplane and heading home from college. Mm-hmm. He's on an airplane heading home from college. The op- One of the opening shots is obviously in the airplane, but then the next shot is he's on the moving conveyor belt thing. Classic no shot. Uh, and... Uh, the the credits go by so he's screen right screen right yeah and then mm-hmm. on screen left is the is the title cards coming up for the movie while they're playing Simon and Garfunkel yes 
Right, which uh, Quentin Tarantino used in Jackie Brown. That's the opening credits of Jackie Brown. On the same, same, same idea. Yep. yep. Same thing. Uh, or or uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, uh, homage. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like th- this is the shot you use for people who are coasting in their life. Right. Uh, who don't know where they're going. And, Put them on a, on a... And importantly, since someone else has read this analysis, most people in the Western world think of going left to right. He's mm-hmm. going right to left. Yeah. Everyone else is going left the other way. So he's right. going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. The, yeah. The wrong way. Yeah. Like, cause if you, if you've been raised in a language that reads left to right, like even when you play video games, like if you see video games, all go left yeah, to right as well. They're, yeah. Side like when you, when you have to go <laughs> right to left in side scroller, you feel like you can't jump right. It's like everything's fucked up. And it's the same thing yeah. here. A retrograde movement. So next thing is he, he, so he obviously went to a school on the East coast and he's coming, coming back to Los Angeles on the West coast. Uh, uh, clearly the sixties, uh, in the Valley. So probably around Tarzana or someplace like yeah. that. Uh, and his parents are having a 1960s cocktail party and all of them want to meet the graduate and the, the track star. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and they all have these like radio show. All the adults have radio show voices. Yes. Yeah. But now the thing I like about it so much is that he doesn't want to be there. He hates it. He mm-hmm. hates this, right? right? Which I understand. And I go because I had the reverse problem where I would go to East Coast Connecticut cocktail parties. Right. With the people, you know, you know, Eric, the guys with the, the scarves around their necks and the penny loafers. <laughs> they, yeah, they all look like penny loafers with no socks. Right. Penny loafers with no socks, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep, and they're like, oh, how how's how's things down in Houston? <laughs> oh my god, how's I Texas? I heard you had some days? trouble with the boat. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's the opposite here. It's very West Coast, right? And so the way that they make this work is that he doesn't want to be there. They use a very long lens and they make it very tight on him. Mm-hmm. So it just feels hugely When he hits the party, it's my favorite shot. Like when he goes down to the party and like you don't leave his face at all. Uh, and you just have faces Everyone's coming just into the coming shot. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. Hi, where's the track star? Where's yeah. the track star? Like, I just want to get out of the house now. No <laughs> kidding. Just get house. Yeah. And he goes, so like, can I talk to you for a minute? Come here. Come here. That's the most famous yeah. I love that. quoted yeah. scene ever. <laughs> Tell him the scene, Eric. The scene, one of the parents' friends, the the father of uh, the girl that eventually pulls him up. No, it's not the father. It's, it's just some random guy. It's random, some random guy. Dude, and yeah. he just he pulls him outside by the pool and says, you want to know? I'm getting one word. One word. Are you Plastics. listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Yeah. Are you listening? <laughs> Plastics. What? That's it. Plastics. And everyone Plastics. quoted that. <laughs> get into the plastics business is essentially right. what he was implying. Right. But everyone quoted that. My entire childhood, parents oh, were absolutely. always like, plastics. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, I mean, in the context of the scene, it we is symbolic. We had a friend Ben. Of, we used to say that to him all the time. <laughs> it, it is symbolic of saying, create an artificial front. Like, everyone here at the party, we all have artificial. We're all wearing masks. None of us actually want to be here. We all use radio voices, and all of this is baloney. Right. And just like, yeah, we're putting on a great time and having drinks. And, and you're the, just like, Get some of the, the best stuff I forgot out. is like when they were like mixing drinks and they had like their, the bottles of booze, bourbon in these contiki kind of Hawaiian <laughs> sculptures. Yeah. Like oh, so, yeah. 
The yep. ca- oh my God, they were so great. I was like, that, and with the ice clinking, clink, yeah. in their ice bucket, watching <laughs> yeah. television. That stuff was like seb- yeah. 60s, 70s. Perfect. Oh, great. But it's all like all this is like the, you know, it lasted, it starts with World War II when people are going, people come home from World War II and they want everything to be calm and perfect and flawless as they imagined it was when yeah. they were being shot at. That was they the imagined. promise. Well, well that, yeah. that was the <laughs> like, promise, right? They were just like, I want, when I come home, I want to have a perfect life. And then you had the GI Bill and all this stuff. And like, you know, like in order to, you know, almost everybody had PTSD and you wanted to have a non-intrusive, perfect life with a wife that acted like this and dinner on time and drinks, all the, all this kind of stuff. And for the children of that, they also, they thought that's how you're supposed to that's how the adult world was supposed to be was this giant plastic, you know, Barbie house essentially. And, uh, and so you go through this and everybody at the party sounds artificial. They're all like wearing these artificial smiles. They're talking about nonsense. Uh, they're all drinking to beat the band and all of the, uh, all the men are asking him, you know, like all the women are just like, Oh, have you found a, found a girl yet? And all the men are just like, you know, like using the weirdest, nastiest innuendo because essentially they sow your seeds. Yeah. Sow <laughs> your wild oats and all this kind of stuff because <laughs> they are living in sexless marriages and they want to project themselves into this young man who can yeah. go out and get laid all this the time. This guy can get laid all the time. Yeah. And they want to play out their fantasy by fantasizing with this guy publicly about all the people that he can go and fuck. And so like, it's, <laughs> it's how. so depressing and strange and overwhelming. And then it seals the deal by having like this, you know, virtually, uh, uh, submarine camera that's like pushing around <laughs> through the party. And then they follow it up with another scene where he actually has to wear a scuba mask. Oh, that's the best. That's the and most, then that's the you're most, seeing uh, through a tunnel, like, Wes like, Anderson. Like, that's yeah. the that's most Wes Anderson the, shot. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that thing was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so he's constantly trying to get away. Uh, it's like, is that your car out back? And it's like, you know, they bought him an Alfa Romeo for his graduation, mm-hmm. right? Right. Little, and so they keep talking about that. It's like, I'm going to go check on the car. And he tries to go outside. He keeps all of the guests keep going. And he just can't get away from the, the from the the cocktail party. And he's trying desperately to get away from it. Uh, and uh, he parents, tries to get outside. Then, like, he gets someone comes through the door at him, and he's like, "No, I was just going upstairs." And then he tries <laughs> to go upstairs. Finally, he gets upstairs, and then Anne Bancroft walks in, playing Mrs. Robinson. By the way, uh, Ben and Elaine are the only two characters that have a first name in this whole movie. Right. <laughs> everyone else, everyone else is known by their last name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Mrs. Robinson walks in, uh, and uh, who is? We find out she is the uh, mother of his father's – no, sorry, business wife partner. of his father's partner. Yes. And his uh, business partner. And she comes in and says, uh, I need you to take me home <laughs> right? because my husband took the car. And so <laughs> he says, uh, here, just take the keys. Yeah, You can have it because he just doesn't, want, just doesn't want to deal with it. Right. He goes – you can drive a stick shift, right? She goes, excuse me? No, you better take me home. <laughs> She's so persistent. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. she keeps on like framing it as if it's his idea. Like, like eventually he's just, like, he's like, like takes her home and all this stuff. And, uh, and she's luring him deeper into the house, but not luring him in the way of just like, ah, oh, come and have sex with me. She's just no. like, 
No, I'm just. This is the way I, I can't live my turn life. the light on. What? Yeah, you, you go and do this for me. Thanks very much. You know, and all this Thanks stuff. Very much. And he's getting through sheer politeness cornered deeper and deeper into the house. Uh, well, not and, politeness. Well, yeah, like, like well, meaning that he doesn't want to be you know what, rude to her. You know what it's being, like? It's like girl with a dragon tattoo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He doesn't want to be impolite. And it's like, it was just, for anyone who didn't get the reference, this is, Chris and I bring this up all the time. The best moment in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo is like, the dude who is obviously the killer, the guy who the main character knows is the killer, and then sees him outside the killer's house and goes, why don't you come on in for a drink? And because he doesn't want to be rude... He comes in for a drink in the killer's house. Even though he knows he's the Even killer. Even though he knows he's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he also knows that the killer probably knows this too, and his life is yeah. in danger. Yeah. If he goes I mean, like, they're, they're both just bullshit. Like, it's like, and, and the killer points it out. It's just like, it's so funny that, like, people are so afraid of, um, of being rude that they'll put themselves in danger. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and that's what happens here. It's like, He's like, Mrs. Robinson, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she's like, Benjamin, I won't put up with this any longer. Come and blah, 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 blah. And then and he's <laughs> like, oh, him a drink. Right. And he exactly. goes, no, thank you. I shouldn't goes, bourbon. No, yeah. like, How about bourbon? It's like, uh, wait for me until my husband gets home. I hate to be here alone. It's like, yeah. but just close the lights. It's like, nope. And then she's like, just constantly going on and on. Have you ever seen the painting of Elaine? It's like, ah. Mm, yeah. Ah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And finally, he's, he's just like, painting, like mm. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. And Mrs. she goes, <laughs> are you kidding? And then me? she turns it around on him. And yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Like, you're not trying to seduce you. Don't, do you want me to seduce you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no. doesn't know what to do. That or my favorite when, when she's standing at the bar stool and she like, Brings her knee up to basically her chin, right? And the camera very deftly slides over so you don't see straight up her dress. But you know that he can see straight up her dress. And he's like, Mrs. Robinson, you're here. You're talking about you're opening up your personal life to me. Or to, I was just like, like, that's how they, like, they keep on suggesting and suggesting and suggesting until finally he has nowhere to go. Like... And she's like basically taking her clothes off right in front of his face before, yeah. you know, he's like, Ugh! and she's like, he doesn't believe she's seducing him until the very last moment when she's literally in front. Yeah. Completely naked saying, yeah. you can have sex with me anytime you want. Listen, it's not going <laughs> to happen right now, but come back here and it will. My husband's coming home. Got <laughs> he's like, fuck. <laughs> and he gets downstairs just in time for the husband to come home. Show up. And, like, and the husband's like. How? There's is that you, Ben? Is that is your that car? You, exactly. Right. You should date my daughter. You, know, you should date my <laughs> And I and I love Murray Hamilton is not only so funny in this role, right? But he's also so sweaty. Like he's constantly just filmed and like they give him really harsh light all the time, so it's like he looks really sort of like this weird little humunculus. And he they spray his face down in every scene, so like, oh Ben. And you're just like what is this guy's gonna like keel over and he say he's an alcoholic? Yeah, he's just like yeah. Do you, you guys you guys watch Shit's Creek, right? You guys yeah, yeah, series? yeah hilarious. Do you remember the guy, the guy that try that that's going to buy the town and he's super sweaty and he yeah. dies of a heart attack before <laughs> yeah, right, the deal? Yes, right, yes. <laughs> okay. it's a little bit like that guy. Yeah, yeah, and he is absolutely. <laughs> if you think he's great in Jaws, definitely check out the Graduate. Even just just for him, he's a he's a show stealer in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's so he's so angry all the time, even when he's trying to be well, nice. He just he just has a sense of aggression. To yeah, him. he's so aggrieved. He hates his wife. 
He hates but his position. What's important? Partner. What's important for this is that when he comes, when he's home, he comes mm-hmm. home. This is the first time we meet him, right? Yeah. Right. When he comes home, he's got golf clubs, of course. Right. And when he comes home, you can sense this is a big guy. He's got a deep voice. Right. He looks like he could freaking break you in two. Mm-hmm. And you realize what just happened three seconds ago. Yeah. So that puts the sense of danger in Ben yeah, I mean, immediately. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you oh really, my God. You're like, oh, my God, he is fucked. <laughs> this dude's going to kill him on top of that, we also know that it's his dad's partner. Yes. So it would just be just the worst. And from the, the opening scene, he's already pushing Elaine on Ben. Right. Like, He's like, ah, uh, yeah, I want to make this happen. You're going to have sex with my daughter. Like that's <laughs> that's what he wants. Yeah, and like, there's all this very weird sexual repressed sexual aggression is this, yeah. basically where almost all the men come from in this movie all the time. You know? Yeah, like either I'm not having sex with my wife, so I hate her very much, or I want you to have sex with my daughter so I can control her. You know, like it's really, really fucking creepy and strange. Everybody's yeah, you hateful. look over because they're wealthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they all have this this very, you know, like proper face on. You know, like they're telling jokes and they're wearing great clothes and they all have great cars and they have scuba outfits. On, yeah, scuba yeah. outfits, exactly. But yeah. it's all a show. Everything is a performance all the time. Now does does he get the scuba outfit before he hooks up with Mrs. Robinson? I think so. I think, right? so. I think so. I think it's the next scene. The next scene. Yeah, I think it's right? the very next scene. So the next scene is yet another party at the house. Mm-hmm. And it's a birthday party for his son. Right. Who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And his dad is like giving this big presentation of just like, here comes the the birthday boy and check yeah. out this and gift. He's presenting I it like he's a, so expensive. So, yeah. I hope he likes it or I'm out 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which I thought, wow, 200 bucks for a complete scuba set? Yeah. Yeah. Not bad, right? <laughs> good deal. So, yes. So, of course, he opens the door to the – dad, can we talk but about this? Dad, it was totally dad. Wes Anderson the way yes. he was fully oh, geared yeah. up in the kitchen and he's walking yeah. and then they go to the point of view. Yeah, it's like life's aquatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, for sure. And so he's – they op- open the sliding door because the big reveal – we are revealed what the audience is going to see for uh, before. But there's always – it's like, oh, shit. He keeps talking about his, his 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 son's present or doesn't say what it is and then opens the door and we see him center framed Wes Anderson style as Eric said uh and uh he is uh in a full scuba suit with a spear gun <laughs> yeah holding yeah. a spear gun which is also hilarious yeah like serious those will kill you yeah <laughs> it was idea. not armed but it yes <laughs> But uh, but yeah, because the rubber bands were were not pulled down. Uh, but he still has his flippers on, which is also hilarious. Because that just people walking with flippers outside of water is just the funniest thing in the world, right? And, and I have to say, like the the thing that really struck me in this movie, um, in terms of because we were, we were saying how much this was an influence on Anderson. Anderson takes all of this and makes it very. Uh, rectilinear you know it's the same kind of humor and the same kinds of setups but then he makes it like a portrait he makes it like a portrait but for me when i was watching it like especially when a lot of the sort of the musical because there's lots of like um 50s lounge music playing in these sequences for comedic effect like 
run dun 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 kind of stuff is playing. Uh and it's uh like it's it's music that is playing in the party or whatever it is, but the timing and the way it works out is for ironic effect. All of this stuff and the way that Nichols uses his camera is from Lolita and Doctor Strangelove. Like this is a this is very, very strongly influenced um by Kubrick's comedic they also design. were saying a lot of the british directors influenced him oh for sure yeah yeah i mean i think that's true the for comedies kubrick. like alfie yeah. yeah i think that's very true for kubrick but this is like that is the like this in terms of bringing it into the american vein like i think that kubrick really introduced a lot of this because he introduces it and like it makes it very noir but keeps the comedy in there like lolita like all of the party stuff from lolita is identical to the party stuff from uh graduate and it's only a few years after when graduate comes out. Um, and, uh, and m- many of the weirder angles are very strange. Lovey and only in, in color. But, uh, if you like those movies, strange, this Lovian? Is a strange, Lovian. that's a uh, Luvian. But, uh, if you like those movies, this sort of fits in the same grim, cynical, slightly cartoonish humor. Yes. Yes. So the famous thing, which is interesting. I'll have to, cause I, I misremember some of the things, right? So he, they have a pool in the backyard. He flip flops over to the pool and the entire camera is from within his mask. So you see around the camera, like around the frame, it's just the mask. And all you can hear is the muff, very muffled, faint sounds from outside, but mostly his breathing from the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny. And, sp- and speaking of influences, 2001 came out after this, right? <coughs> yeah, yeah. This feels very much like the Dave Bowman gag in the end oh. of 2001. And I'm so? like, I, I'm like, did Kubrick see The Graduate and be like, I know how we're going to do this. <laughs> he stole from me, I'll steal from him. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes into the pool slowly. <laughs> he goes under the water. He tries to get out from there. under the water, and his dad pushes his head back yeah. under. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so then he's at the himself. bottom of the pool. There's a shot of him at the bottom of the pool, just sitting there, doing nothing, just breathing through his scuba gear. Yeah, which I think was also very funny. Now I remember that scene as it going to "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend." Right. But it doesn't. It actually does another song, but I forgot. What Hello, it Darkness is. is actually the opening song. It is. Yeah, yeah. And it's Scarborough also Fair. Yep. And Scarborough Fair keeps up. And it. And it. But it's five. also uh, when he's in the pool, floating around, doing Sound of Silence. Is the song. Yeah. Sound yeah. of Silence. Yes. Yeah. Sound of Silence. Yeah. We. But I would we just figured think that ben like, that's what he did when he's <laughs> under the pool, but it's <laughs> not. Was, I got that joke. What was that, Eric? <laughs> I missed it. Sorry. <laughs> the Ben Affleck. Uh, hello darkness <laughs> amazing then one of my all-time favorite memes ben affleck and then interviewing yeah somebody <laughs> else was darkness, talking so good uh, there's been a series of memes that have come up on my youtube feed and it's it's the uh it's the uh, what's the uh the band uh the guys with the, the, the two helmets, the French guys with the two helmets. Mouse? Uh, Daft, Daft Punk. Punk. Uh, Daft Punk, when they did, uh, my name is something Giorgio, but everyone calls me Giorgio. 
Right. You know? Right. Yep. And they play that segment from that song. Mm-hmm. And then when the music starts, some they usually do some video of something going. And then when the music starts, some craziness happens. Mm-hmm. And they've been mm-hmm. using that. Me- it's kind of like the keyboard cat meme. And it's been coming on over and over on my YouTube feed, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Uh, okay. So he's in the pool, and he's just at the bottom of the pool, and his life is sucks. Well, and it's – yeah, this is all obviously symbolic of where he's at in his life, how his parents treat him, you know, like holding him underwater, this kind of stuff, how he feels about the outside world. And, like, this movie is so blunt and on the nose with its gags that I think if it – People would think of this stuff as too on the nose, but that's what makes it great. Like he, they're just like, here's the joke. It's not subtle. It's not, <laughs> it's subtle. not subtle. Like that's what makes it hysterical. Yeah, like it's it's, it's this not subtle, and nobody on screen is getting it. It's brilliant. Yep. yep. He doesn't have a brother or sister, right? No. No. Only only child, I think. And so is she. Elaine is a lonely child too. I think. All right. So, uh, he basically gets really bored, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he's awkward. That's another thing that's important here is that he's very awkward or arrogant mm-hmm. and mean, mm-hmm. arrogant and mean, but he is awkward and shy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and decides that he is going to, uh, call Mrs. Robinson. And so he goes to the Taft Hotel and calls her to see if she wants to have a drink. Right. And then he acts like an idiot. Well, yes. the best part is she says, do you have a room? It's like, fuck it, right to the, right yeah, to the point. She's totally you know, on cue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's, she's on schedule here. <laughs> she's like, nope, well, we're going right to the room and we're going to have sex. And he's like, uh, 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 uh. And he doesn't know how to handle this at all. <laughs> go get a room <laughs> you get a room should i get and one he's so clumsy and stupid one? but yet she deals with it oh yeah, yeah he's fine i mean she mostly thinks it's kind of charming does she yeah i mean like she doesn't she doesn't get irritated with him until it becomes useful to control about him. her daughter right yeah and that's, that's when she later. gets mad yeah yeah and then like she uses especially in the ensuing argument that comes up in the scene like she uses things like Benjamin. It's time to blah 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 that, that kind of stuff, not because she's actually irritated, but because it controls him really well. She, yeah. she's, oh, she's acting, acting like, like an upset, angry mother, mother. <laughs> angry mother. Right. right. Yeah. No, she's not really pissed off. Like I mean, so you see her doing the angry mother thing, but you see like this sort of like little smile that's honest. Like she's manipulative, and then she knows it's manipulative. Well, mm-hmm. she's known him since she's was he was a kid, right? Yeah, because so, he's a little boy. And so she's been with him when he was a little kid at birthday parties and probably right. had play, you know, like play dates with his daughter. Right. right? right. So she was like, a, you know, mom to him in some cases, yeah. which yeah. is what's really disturbing about it. Yeah. This. Yeah. I mean, all of this. I mean, it's layers on layers because, I mean, this is true for like all the guys in this movie. Right. <laughs> like they're all like they're all deeply messed up. And especially we learn later about her past. But right. uh, so uh, they they meet it. Yeah, I didn't go ahead. I there. didn't think they were deeply messed up. I I think I, I saw them as just kind of um, saturated uh, with, 
you know, the, with money, you know, and yes, yeah. in perspective, yeah. they're deeply messed up, but. Well, the meaning, what I mean by deeply messed up is that the, like n all of their sexual expression uh, comes at, like, because it has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with um, uh, frustration and control. Like they feel that's like they all have, it is is control. That's literally it. Like they, these are people that feel like they have, they have everything, but they have everything but control of their lives. And so they take it out. They have on everything the, and yeah. use what you said, but they don't, they want, see, I also feel like coming from a environment, I, I guess in retrospect, very much like that. Um, I feel like the parents have this wealth and comfort, but they don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Very much like Dustin Hoffman and her at the end, they don't really have a plan B. They don't yeah. know. They run out, you know, and, and they, they go, going. they, they don't know they what they want. Yeah. They don't know if they Even want to be together. They don't know. And the parents are like that wants. as well. Right. And, you know, she, the mother who's having the affair is, doesn't know what she, she kind of knew what she wanted. She, she knew, but it was taken away from her. Yeah. And she actually was the one with probably the most potential because she was, or at least she said, you know, this is what I want in life, but it kind of threw me. Right. And, you know, by the way she bosses him around, she kind of knows what she wants. Yeah. Well, which, which everybody she, else doesn't. Yeah. Like what she, what she ultimately she wants. She is the is, smartest of all yeah. uh, adults. She, she is, she's the only one who <laughs> or has Or she nine. just w knows what she wants she, in life. Yeah. She, well, she knows what she wants right now. And that's revenge on the rest of the world. Like she, sure. she wants everyone else to suffer for uh, what she's been through. Because she's lost her, so much. Her, her life has been destroyed. Right. by her own choices and she's lost everything that's valuable. And this comes up in the conversation. Like once they start having the affair, like there's this great, very play like, uh, argument between the two of them. And it starts off like, well, like, well, like, shouldn't we get to know each other better? Like, well, what do you want to talk about? Benjamin? He's right. like, let's talk about, you know, you choose the subject. And she's like, I don't know, art. And then no, no she, like yeah, you she, choose that. Yeah, like, he chooses art. He, yeah, he chooses art. And then and she's, she's like, I don't, like, I don't know anything about, anything about that. I don't know anything about that. And they right. fight over blah 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 blah. And then so what did you what did you go to school for? Art. Why do you want to know that? <laughs> like, what did yeah. you study? And she says, art. Yeah. Like, and then maybe, you see this depressed look on her face. Yeah. This is what she has lost completely. Yeah. yeah. And that's and, what, and then he that's looks at her and goes, oh, but I thought you said you know. And he's like, totally fucking. You're an idiot. That's you not realize. Yeah. yeah, he can't. He can't see anything outside of himself, right? And his and his and his needs whatsoever. Right. You know, he's angry at his parents, and so he's, you know, yeah. So he's doing this. She's yeah. angry at the world, so she's doing this. Yeah, you know, same. And and this goes on for every single character. Yeah. Nobody is actually doing the thing that they need to make their life better. They're 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 acting out. Everybody but is. But yet acting you out. like the characters. It's kind of like Succession before Succession. Yeah, like you, you empathize with them totally. You know, in fact, like I felt more I felt more empathy towards Mrs. Robinson in this viewing yeah. than any other viewing. Like well, I that's felt really you're her age. <laughs> yeah, like I was just like, yeah, I know how disappointing things can be sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know? and I can see making these mistakes. You know, like where where you just let parts of your life get away from you sure yeah 
So uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about like some of the, the key moments of the, the first seduction because it was hilarious. This obviously goes on a, a while. Let's just put it this way. Lots of hijinks, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Hijinks. <laughs> he's trying to get a room, but he's embarrassed and he's doesn't, he doesn't know how to just be cool, you know? Yeah. Right. So he tries to get a room and Buck Henry is the hotel man, the, the guy behind the counter at the hotel, uh, the, uh, at the reception. And he's like, you just signed a register and he signs and then he takes the paper away and says, is there a problem? Nope, no problem. And he just puts it because he realizes he used his actual name for the yes, room. Right. He wants nope. to use a different name. Uh, and it's, it's just all kinds of like, you know, do you have any bags? Yep. I just a toothbrush and like, I can get my bag. I'll get the bellhop to help you. No, I don't need any help. Just awkward, 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 yeah. awkward. Yep. Right. It's, and just, yeah, it's just, and you can see Buck Henry is just watching this whole thing. He's playing the, the concierge and he's right. just like, very good, sir. Because <laughs> he sees this fucking all the time. Like half the people that are at the hotel are having affairs. So right. you're just like, uh huh. Of course. <laughs> yes, whatever, whatever you like, sir. <laughs> like, yeah. I know you're lying. I like, everyone here knows they're lying. So it's right. whatever you want to say. It's fine. And then she finally meets her at the bar. <laughs> it's all on. And then he explains to her that he's going to go. They're like they they they, they can't go up together, right? Because he's all awkward, and it's just so weird, right? Mm-hmm. She finally is like, "Meet me up at the room," and so I'll go later. Fine, I go up later. She shows up at the room, and she was smoking. <laughs> I love this. And he goes up to her to give her the most awkward kiss on the lips. Oh God, yeah. And she, she just takes an, like, she inhales that she takes this big dragon cigarette and he goes mm, and starts kissing her <laughs> and she's just sitting there like with the smoke in her mouth kind of like okay and, and he's like, he finally stops and she goes <laughs> 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 yeah I mean, it's, it's just like she is all business she's like re- reverse clute yeah <laughs> she's just like like it's... let's just get this fucking thing done please and it's Really awkward, and I think one you know takes a, one of my favorite things is when she starts taking her clothes off. Right, it is the most unsexy thing. Yeah, because right. she takes her blouse off, and then she looks down. She looks like there's a stain on her. Yeah, she's, she's just like rubbing it. And he just immediately that takes love. her. Oh, he so like she takes her takes her shirt off, and he immediately grabs her boob and just holds his hand there. And she's <laughs> like, she doesn't even pay attention to it. She's like, what? And she's like, oh, I got something on my shirt. He's got her hand, his hand on her boob, and she's like. I gotta take this to the cleaners. <laughs> just like that's neurotic on. housewife right there. This is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that it, scene it. apparently was uh, was uh, when they were uh, rehearsing. Hoffman did that aw- awkwardly, like improv that, mm-hmm. and Mike Nichols couldn't stop laughing. Oh God, yeah, that's a good. That's a great fucking gag. It's a great gag. And apparently, Dan Hoffman started laughing and started banging his head against the wall. So it's like we're adding the head against the wall banging yeah. too. Like it's so, great. yeah. I mean, like. Because yeah. with Nichols, like Nichols is a great, I mean, he's a real uh, rehearsal director, right? Right. And so it's like him and Lumet. And so like all of the great stuff in all of his, you hear him talk about this, like all the great stuff in his movies, it's because they, they rehearse the fuck out of these things and let people, when if you improv correctly, like you're improving in rehearsal and you grab these little bits. And like you include it in the yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yes. So they... They finally, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of similarities, interestingly, between uh, the last picture show mm. sex scene and this yep. sex scene. Yep. Even though the other one is very sad and this one is very funny. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I mean, because like when you do it right, like it's very it's it's a very slight shift between tragic and comic. Oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like you only have to change the tone slightly to have one or the other, and especially when the like when the camera in the graduate is just like it's just letting it happen. Like it's not showing you that it's funny. Like it's like these things are happening and nobody is saying anything and the camera's not commenting and you're like, this is horrible and that's what's hysterical. Right. And that's something we've, I think we've lost generally in comedy is that since like the, since like just let it happen in front of the camera. Yeah, exactly. Like if something's going to be funny, it's going to be naturally funny. Don't like put a fucking bow on everything. So you notice that it's funny. Right. Like, like let it emerge is funny. And then, then it, then it plays well. Play it straight is the best way to be funny. Yes. Oh yeah. But that's how the great comedies were done. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, there are moments in this film that I, I kind of question the funniness back then as compared to now, because we didn't, pardon me, didn't have kind of the element of the stalker as we do today. Right. So there are moments with his character that I just was like, oh, it's not funny. What do you mean by the stalker? Because yeah. well, he's a stalker in the movie. He's a stalker. Yeah. And, and, and he does some things, particularly when she's at college, where oh, yeah, back yeah. then it, it would come so, it. Yeah, later. It, it, um, what's this? It's later in the movie that he's the stalker. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you get this sense like it's not – I mean, in 1968, that was probably hilarious. He sat there all day and waited for her. Cause he, yeah, like you it's know, certainly – But like, now it's like, you know what? Let's let's call the police. It's a well, strange – Well, it's easier – certainly the, it's easier to see what Nichols is saying now than it was for audiences then. And I think that like – because I think that Nichols is not backing away from the idea that this guy's a fucking creep. Like yeah, it's this a, is all it was a little up. bit um, king of comedy. Yeah, it's a little king of comedy, and like he, I think he understands it completely. That's why the movie ends the way that it does, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, fun's over, Jerry. That Jerry uh, Langford. <laughs> that's it. We're gonna sue. Yeah, but uh, but like I think that Lee understands this, and he Nichols. Had, I'm so, God. I don't know why I keep on mixing those up. <laughs> Nichols, Mike Lee, uh, Mike Nichols. Damn it! I did it again. Mike Nichols understands this. And he's letting the audience discover it, but it is, well, we can talk about it more later. It is weird to me that that's not how audiences received it. They did receive this as a charming character. And that's yes. why it was a giant hit. I'm like, this guy's a creep. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, I've, I've never not thought he's a creep. I mean, I think he's that, a creep even more that now. That is true for almost all movies that are super popular, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like people f- thought Fight Club was about cool dudes. Yeah. Like, this is that is not cool man the movie's telling you it's not cool they, yeah they're literally <laughs> telling you yeah, yeah. same thing with deliverance life. it's like oh those country guys are so cool they're just having fun it's just you they're know just having good fun. country boy time who doesn't like pigs <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh that scamp ned Beatty. oh he's just oh he's in the woods What's like fun? that <laughs> yeah but there's anyway, a, there's yeah, a, think, a robbie robertson that's... song about ned Beatty. In the deliverance, man, which is pretty this set is totally the end, man. Oh, God bless it. Pour one out for Robbie Robertson. That was a sad one. That was a sad. Not one. Robbie Robinson. Sorry, <clears throat> Robin Hitchcock. And oh yes, Egyptian. okay. And the Egyptians also yes. excellent, yeah. also excellent. But uh, yeah. no, still alive. <laughs> he is still he is still alive. Yes. yes, but he did a whole song about Ned Beatty, I think. Uh, but Robbie Robinson also a great musician, and I agree with you, Eric. Yeah, sorry about that. Totally end of an era. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
That's what we, that we have to do the last waltz again. He That's did it. a great, he did the original version of, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Broken Arrow, the song Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. I really love good. That song. Beautiful. It's a great song. I, and, I bought that album when I was in college and yeah, I love yeah. that Beautiful. with you two on it. And Daniel Lenoir, who was my favorite producer, uh, produced it. And yeah. Rod Stewart did a remake of it or did a, yeah. which was also fabulous. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say I like. I like Rod, Rod Stewart. No one. That's one of the songs that no. I even Rod Stewart should not have touched. I like. I think he did. I don't. I disagree. Job. I think he did I, a great I, version. I, I, of it. Robertson is so is so. Robert key Robertson's version is flawless. Yeah, yeah. But Rod Stewart did an excellent version. I, of I, it. T- I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you. I, like, I, but uh, like, there's so, there's certain. It's like a Casablanca thing where I'm just like, I bet you can do this as good, but please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a really classic. But yes, There's certain I, remakes that are fun, amazing. What was the mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails Hurt, right? And oh, yeah. Johnny Cash great. did that. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. In fact, I think the guy, what's the what's the Nine Inch Nails guy? What's his name? Trent um, Reznor. Trent Reznor <laughs> went to Johnny Cash and says, this song is now yours. <laughs> yeah. 100%, man. Well, and, uh, and uh, like I, I would actually say, and no one's going to agree with me on this, I currently prefer the... Trent Reznor version of the immigrant song. Uh, from, oh yeah, uh, I, which I think is an absolutely terrific remake uh, for "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." Like I, it was just like, that's some gold standard stuff right there. Oh, that yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, also, Trent Reznor, he actually owned. Uh, we were talking about um, Charles Manson, East Cielo, East Cielo Drive, the house where she mm-hmm. was murdered. Mm-hmm. He owned that house at one point. No kidding. Yeah, he did an album there, and he was so freaked out yeah. that he uh, moved out. I would not like to visit that house. That well, they tore it down. Yeah, that's best. It's another that, great. That's a little too weird. Another. Uh, what was I thinking? Oh, I hate it. Gabor. There, oh, no, there's some. There's are some you great. going, darling, to Scarborough Fair? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 darling, the cure. I should say it's rosemary time. The, the, the <laughs> rosemary at time. That's how time? you make a good goulash. You use a ton of parsley, sage, a little rosemary, and some thyme, and you get a good goulash. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, oh my god. The cure did a really good remake of Purple Haze. Oh yeah, yeah, amazing yeah. version yeah. of that. Oh, I just started. I don't to, know why are we uh, on remakes, Olson. Why did we get this? Actually, <laughs> one of the best. If you ever want to listen, I'll put. put there's a couple different remakes that uh, that put in chat. What's your favorite remake of a, of a classic song? Um, I will arguments. send you the an amazing uh, couple. I'll put them in. All right. So keep going, going folks. Okay. So uh, speaking of amazing songs, the next part is. He continues to have – you get the feeling that he's continuing to have an affair with her all summer, and he's bored out of his mind. And they do that as a montage. By the way, should be a freaking master class on how to do a montage Yeah, while yeah, playing uh, Sounds of Silence. Yeah, this is a great one. This and one he goes in and out of like from party to party to – like and they, like they it mixes from him – Walking through a party aimlessly to sleeping in bed with her to laying in the pool yeah. and getting sun and walking just walking yeah. from room to room to sex to nothing and it's just and all uh, these 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 beautiful match cuts so it all flows together in this languid bizarre you know uh, uh, aimlessness 
aimlessness. Uh, that is, uh, that you get a sense of the, the addictive and boring nature of uh, what is going on. Right. Jason says there's a remake of Istanbul. Who did the remake? Oh, it's uh, They Might Be Giants remade Istanbul. Uh, Istanbul was originally recorded. I can't remember the original recording, but there's oh. a... Um, oh, I thought the I thought that uh, They Might Be Giants was the original version. No, no. There's a, there's a couple of great ones uh, earlier. We, in fact, we were just talking about this on uh, Discord. Yeah, like uh, it's... Uh, there's, there's, there's one in my mind. I can't remember who the singers are, uh, but it's terrific. And it's from maybe the 60s or so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would say that like this, this movie captures, uh, oh, there's, there's like, it's very beautiful. Everything you're seeing is very beautiful and summer hazy and all this kind of stuff. But, um, with the match cuts repeating and repeating and repeating and this sad, sort of drifty, sad song playing, like it brings you all the way through, uh, the emotions from total anxiety and goofiness and are they going you know, will they won't they to now this is just sort of rote you know and now you can tell that hoffman is in a totally uh, empty space in his life like he doesn't know how to get out of this loop um and uh and they're no longer doing this for fun they're just doing it because it's the thing that's supporting them mm. they're bored they're bored yeah and you can the thing see is this, this you is didn't see him everybody. prior in college so it's kind of you know you're already set to this character and how well, morose he is he, there's mm. no motivation for him to do anything in his life yeah right exactly because he's rich right you know he's got he's got it made he's got it all his parents he's, him okay no, he's somewhat rich upper middle class well, rich upper, right? middle, upper class. middle class like, there's right? nothing like there he has everything is available to him you know, right. and uh, and he he ends up wanting things he doesn't have simply because he doesn't have them, like which is the fucking upper middle class curse. You know, right. like uh, like this is like like I've always like I you know I grew up on um, Cape Cod amongst very very rich people, um, and but our family was zero percent rich, um, and uh, so I knew some extremely rich people and some. Uh, very, very, very upper middle class people, and the ones that tended to be the striving jerks were the upper middle class people. Like the very rich people were just sort of like they didn't even know what the fuck they didn't they had at all. It didn't make any difference. They lived in their own weird little bubble. But the people right. that are striving for something because they want to prove that they're better or they deserve they want to they prove have. that they're all the way at the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's man. They could be fucking terrible, <laughs> yeah. really terrible people. Yeah, it's like. Uh... Uh, if you ever worked at a big corporation, the CEO is usually very nice. It's all the vice presidents that are assholes. Yeah, like stabbing <laughs> fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. It's like, a, or we say about Hollywood, like I mean, my, my, my Hollywood experience thus far, <laughs> right. Is like that we've had the, we've had the luck of working with some incredibly great talented directors and really wonderful people. Sure. Um, but there's this great donut of high end mediocrity surrounding that. That almost everyone you deal with is a selfish, awful tool and because they want to be at the center and that's all they can think of. And that's the only interaction they have with you and anything that you do that's interesting. They're just looking for a way for that to be theirs so they can step on you and get up. And that's where all the bad myths of Hollywood come from. It's not because the successes. Yeah. How can I use people. you to get higher? It's, it's, it's all the people that are struggling. Right. And they just turn into 
desperate, sad people. Yep. I will tell or you desperate, this. sad people with a lot of money. With a lot of money. <laughs> I will tell uh, you this. Just from experience, and this has happened so many times over the last few years, is that uh, I know a lot of people that early parts of my career were like coordinators or junior people or interns or whatever. A lot of people that I have been interacting now, those people have turned into executive producers, Mm -hmm. heads of studios. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And are really good. So I've always treated everyone really well. And I yeah. have found <laughs> that to be advantageous to me mm-hmm. because now those people are like, you were always so nice. Yeah. And the, and the people, <laughs> and the people that are the people that end up at the top because they're like, they're good at what they do are, right. often end up being very kind along the way. Sure. Cause they're not, they're not concerned with, you know, trying to shove you under the bus. Like they're just doing what they do because they love it, and they're trying. I to... Don't want to stereotype too much, mm-hmm. but the ones that are the nicer ones tend to be women. Oh yeah, you stereotype away. That's one hundred percent true. Okay, now that one <laughs> like, of the reasons there are fewer true. women at that position is because they don't yeah. backstab as much. Yeah, like huh. yeah, like all, <laughs> right? all of but, all of but if they, if they have the opportunity to be there, they're going to do super super well, and they're right. not going to backstab. Well, yeah, because like there's no like they like. People that are great producers. Sorry, know, that's a stereotype, but I no. I but but people people that are great producers are people that know that uh, treating other people well, kindly, and organizing things right. equitably, like that's what makes them successes. Yeah. And uh, if like the sexist thing that's going on here, if I'm going to be sexist, it's against men <laughs> because most men. Uh, will in this industry will get backstabby very quickly if they're self-conscious and sure. they will add that and, and this fucks you like and don't, so if you act like that you will not get where you want to go all right i'm huh. gonna make one last one last point about this because this is important then we're gonna go back to the story but the the in the position of producer when people are like how do i get people to do things the women producers tend to be a find a really good way of getting people to do what they need to do to get the job done right, right. Uh, and then in the position of like a supervisor, I'm talking mainly on visual effects side, female visual effects supervisors, if they, <clears throat> they can't say fix this, this, and this the way a man can, I'm sorry <laughs> to say they can't, right? <clears throat> because I know, I've known some very good, uh, producer or visual effects supervisor. they like, just, they, they act the yeah, same because way because of the way that do. men react to being directed that, by women. The minute they do that, a lot of men, people say, oh man, what a bitch. No, men, men really? react very, yeah, oh, self, yeah. self-conscious men react extremely poorly to being directed by women. Yes. That, and then that's what happens. if, if they, the only way they're supposed to do it is ask kindly, can you please fix Could this? you can please do this? Do yes. This? And right. this bullshit. Yeah. And I've known some very talented female visual effects supervisors, uh, uh, and, uh, and they, they get treated that way. And that's yeah. been the thing. And they're like, oh, and yeah, it's, I it's, don't it's know if universal. men realize they're doing that. Well, well, yeah, because like, and, but and like, and and like, or they were like, you know, like they, they, like anyone who's, you know, telling them if like if it's a guy telling them what to do, they'll still be mad, but then they see it as like some, like, well, you know, it's competition. Where if it's a if it's a woman, they feel demeaned. They they literally use the b word. Yeah, like it's really it's really fucking strange. It's really weird. 
and so and it's and it's uniform so like uh, and i think that's just true you know i I think that you gotta let you especially amongst uh male artists like you get a a lot of bad self-consciousness problems that express themselves in pretty atrocious ways like that it's 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 subtle unfortunately they don't Mm -hmm. realize what they're doing they don't realize that they this like yeah anyway back to the thing so he uh fades into (laughs) into boredom with her uh as far as like you got to do something in your life you got to get something going on you know how about you get out of the house a little bit or whatever and it's like where do you go at night or it's just boredom right Mm -hmm. then there's a great scene where he's basically wants to have more of a conversation with her. We mentioned it slightly earlier where she talks about art, right? Uh, or she, we find out that she was an artist. And so we realized that she had a life that she missed out on. And the reason we find out about this, as he keeps prying into her life, is that she had to get married young because she was pregnant right. with Elaine. And he thinks that's hilarious. Mm. Right. <laughs> oh. Oh. So Elaine was conceived right. in the back of a Ford. Ha ha ha. Yeah, isn't ha, that ha. funny? Right. Isn't that funny? Right. And just starts talking about that and right. jokes about it with her and like ha 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 because he's still like this annoying little high school right. kid. And so you can see that she like ups- very yeah. sad about this. Yeah. And she like she doesn't like. She doesn't want Dustin Hoffman to hook up with Elaine because she wants to defend Elaine. It's because she resents Elaine. She resents like, her. like she's like you're you are the source of my pain. She's competing against her daughter. Yeah, yeah I've seen that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen parents compete against their children. I have. There's seen a lot that of that. Very much myself. And so, that, like subconsciously, what is happening for her is like she wants she wants all of this to happen. She wants to get caught. She wants, you know, she wants well, all of the pain for that will happen out of this to happen. Like she doesn't know that consciously, but that's why she's acting. Well, okay, and we've already established that everyone in this is is egocentric and narcissistic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she specifically is. Uh, she has a narcissism. She wants to. She finally is getting. She can boss him around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, and have do whatever she wants with him, which is what she wants to do to her husband. She what she wants to do to her husband, mm-hmm. right? And she, but if her daughter gets the attention instead of her, that's mm-hmm. going to be the worst. Yeah, it's a disaster. Especially like she's like when her daughter is the one who fucked up her life by existing, right? <laughs> you know, like it's terrible. And like, and this is the same, the same fucking messed up point of view is true of her husband. Her husband is just like my hate, my hateful wife, whom I, you know, uh, I am afraid of and, uh, resent and don't right. sleep with, you know, right. And, they have separate. So she doesn't have sex with her husband ever. Right. No, yeah. they're separate rooms. Yeah, separate, separate rooms. rooms. Yeah. Like, like they, this is a, it's a mirage. The whole thing is a giant hateful mirage. Yeah. That's what their marriage is. Yeah, and they're taking it about taking it out on everybody. And it's you an know, amazing scene because everybody. you basically she you can see her and he's behind her. Like the other thing, she's not facing away from him, but facing towards the camera, lying on the bed. Right? She's looking at the camera, so right. you can see her expression as she's saying thing, but right. she's hiding her expression from him the whole time. 
he's behind her, yeah, the, asking her all these questions, and completely oblivious about her and her feelings. Right. All yeah. he's thinking about is how funny it is. It all is. Yeah, because he's a fucking selfish moron. Right. <laughs> like he has no idea. Well, he has no totally idea, way to look at her point of view at all. He's just totally obsessed with his own issues. Yeah, I was reading, preparing for this, and they were saying that a lot of the, like the camera angles are just like a character themselves. And they mm-hmm. took, took that from the English directors at that time. And all these extreme angles, it makes sense because it, there's some things, like Daniel said earlier, her knee was in her mouth yeah. practically to get right. that shot. Right. And um, it really does kind of, it changes your perception of everybody when you have these angles and yeah. the way they frame everything. Yeah. No, the image, the image behind me now on the screen and, uh, right. is, is basically that conversation where she's depressed and he's trying to ask her all these very personal questions. Right. And like, he's, what he's kind of car ca- was it? What kind yeah. of car was it that you like <laughs> get pregnant in? Right. Yeah. Like, you can see like these, these casually invasive questions. You know, and like, and the thing is, man, I think that this, I, I don't know an enormous amount about uh, Nichols as a director, but like, I believe that him, Lumet, as I brought up before, like these are very, these are stage guys. And so they really treat their sets like stages and they, yeah, they bother to really block things correctly, which most directors today don't do. Spielberg like, is and, like Spielberg is one of the last great <laughs> blockers. And, uh, and like, there's, I mean, I, I go back and watch, you know, rewatch Spielberg films and they're like, I'll be like, you know, the movie I've seen 20 times, like, I'll go, hang on, was this all one shot? Like, yeah. and, like the whole thing is the secret oneer the whole time because he's restaging and, and re- remounting the camera so many yeah. times. Um, and this is, this is like that. Like, everything is so, every move the actors make um, uh, is so carefully planned out to hit very specific emotional moments. So you're seeing their faces for some things. You don't see them for others. It really thinks about what, uh, their experiences so that it can be delivered to you instead right. of cutting to show you what is happening. No, it's great because I mean, she's in focus. Her emotions are in focus. You are totally focused and he's out of focus in the background, right? Like, mm-hmm. like behind me, he's kind of out of focus in the background and asking her all these personal questions. And you can see her break down as she's yeah. having to admit how her life has. Yeah. You can see failed. her whole life happening right in front of your eyes. And he is absolutely failing to see what you're seeing. Right. And he's out of focus. Right. So because so that's like almost the, a, the out of focus, as Eric was saying, is like it's it's a it's a metaphor. Right? Yes. And and it's a metaphor he carries out through the entire film. Or because like Dan said that. Yeah, like the, the brilliance no, of you it. said the camera is a character. Yeah, like yes. yeah, no, I was referring to when the the shot on uh, Elaine when she realizes and comes into focus. Like right. so it's yeah. something that he keeps on hammering in the film as a as sure. a motif, right? But like what's really brilliant when you when you look at that shot that was uh up before where it's like you have Hoffman and you have her up front. Like if it were uh in most modern movies what you do is like you, if you want to give the audience secret information about her, then you give her her own close up. Right. And then you go, oh, I have secret knowledge of how she really feels. And I know her history now. But when you put in a two like that and you can see him being oblivious to something that you are noticing, you're not just giving a background for her character. You are having a realization about his idiocy. Like Mm. he is also right here and he is not seeing what I am also seeing. Like what's what the fuck is wrong with you, Benjamin? 
like so i i get i i it's a character sketch for both of them his um his uh narcissism and her loneliness are the same visual mechanism and that's incredibly efficient directing i think it's her narcissism no her loneliness and his boredom and, well, yeah well it's just like he is no, completely out to lunch yeah. Yeah. and like the the fact that that he and i are in the same space together with her Right. And I'm realizing something that he can't makes me judge him. Yeah. You said something earlier about like, you felt it was a play it, the way he framed it because mm -hmm. he did have TV and, you know, theater experience um, that uh, the two shots is the one where she's in the corner after he tells the daughter that he's having an affair with yeah. her mom. Right. And she's, you know, in the corner with the blue and yeah. also the the Norman Fell scenes where he's the landlord up at Berkeley. Yeah. Right. Those were like classic theater kind of yeah. the way they just set that up. And it was like it's very much of that time period too, all the way yeah. back to the forties. Yeah. Absolutely. The way they just kind of track this kind of you know, the landlord or just the character who has their own perspective of that person, which yeah. he did. He's like, I don't like you. Yeah. Who gets that? Yeah. Uh, the first meeting. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good, man. I love Fell. <laughs> but, I love Fell. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, we're going to get to that point. Uh, so, so I want to try to fast forward because we're running a little late, but it's okay. Um, uh, so basically what ends up happening is the father pushes him to have a date with his daughter. He doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. He's back at he doesn't want to do it, but they, everyone keeps pushing it to happen. And he's very upset about it because he knows that because he makes a hint that he's going to date the daughter to the mother and the mother is furious at him. Because if you date my daughter, I'll tell everyone everything that's going on. Right? Like just, just, Furious, so he's like, "Oh shit, you know, I'm not right. dating daughter." When the daughter comes back from Berkeley, he's like, "Date my daughter." He's like, "Oh no, don't want to do it." So he decides that he is going to sabotage the date so that she never wants to date him again. And he is—he takes his rudeness to such an extreme level that it's painful. <laughs> So explain what happened. Yeah, he's a he's a monster. He takes her to a essentially it looked like a whiskey at go go was right there, but he takes her to a basically it's like a, a comedy a, version of Taxi Driver. Yeah, he takes <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He takes her to a kind of a um, burlesque a, show, burlesque yeah. show, right. and then to top it, the woman. But he's always walking in front of her, like like just d ditching her in a crowd. Yeah, like dragging her along. Basically, no, he's not even dragging her. He's yeah. just, like she has to run to catch up to him. Yeah. It's Actually, really that horrible. was very much like uh, Rushmore. Oh the yeah, way he was, yeah. was walking through the crowds, and his determination with like the and the Bill Murray character with the bees. That I, I was like, oh yeah, my god, that's totally. Wes Anderson. Bam, bam. And the music cues, yeah, right? Yeah, so good. And also the his style in this in this sequence, like and the way he's photographed, made me think. Like, I wonder if Nichols was watching a lot of um, contemporary japanese noir yeah uh, because like he looks like uh you know straight out of uh, a couple of, of great like 60s japanese crime films he is dressed 
same he's kind of sunglasses, sun, like yeah. exactly oh, the same attitude, yeah. same he's kind of driving like yeah. an asshole. Also, yeah. he's like he's doing everything basically to spoil this date. Takes her to a strip club. She he sits in front of the stage to look at the go go dancers. She sits facing away from the stage, looking right. at him, shocked and upset and disappointed and but sad. But she knows. It's on purpose, and that's why she kind of rolls with it a yeah, little bit. But she, and, but he's like, "Why don't you turn around? You're missing the show." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like this is, and there's like, like she, like it's a great symbol because the the stripper is doing the the twirly thing with her with the tassels on her boobs yeah. and beating Elaine with it, which is like essentially the relationship between Elaine and her mom. Like, like this, here's this sexualized maternal, uh, vision pummeling her into shame, which is what is happening literally to her as a character mm -hmm. in her life. And like, like he finds these ways to be like, okay, so how can we have a, uh, like the most obvious mother symbol beating, literally beating Elaine <laughs> like, and that's it. And it, with this disaffected Dustin Hoffman, just going like, yeah, can you do that? And well, there you go. <laughs> like, there's the movie in a visual nutshell. Yeah, right. So she starts crying. He suddenly grows up conscious <laughs> mm -hmm. and says, Oh, I've gone too far. He can't do this anymore. He realizes how horrible he's a he child. Is. Yeah. So he pushes the stripper away, right. at which point he almost gets in trouble. Right. She runs out. <laughs> He chases after her, apologizes to her. She's crying. At which point he's like, I'm sorry. I just, you know, it was not my idea. I didn't want to do this date. It was our parents' idea. And I just was trying to sabotage it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he forces himself on her to kiss her. And at she's which point like, she accepts it. Right. That's the part I don't like. Well, the thing is, like, like I don't, like, I don't buy that she is an innocent character who turns no. on a dime. Like she's raised in the household doing. with Murray, uh, fucking what's his name? Murray Hamilton. And, uh, and the mom, like, this is a, this is another play. Like everybody is like, she's like, I'm going to make him feel incredibly bad, control the scene and get what I want. Just like he's doing like, like, like these, these people are the, it's the same. Like she's got the doe eyes doing it. And he's doing it with the sunglasses, but they're doing the same thing. They're both intelligent, you know, like they're not grown up, but they are adults, you know, and to pretend like she's like from, you know, like some like know nothing from Kansas. Suddenly. No, she's you get she's smart when then she's yeah. in the car when they leave yeah. the Taft or the yeah. ambassador. She understands what's fucking she understands going. what's going on and she knows more than yeah. she wants she doesn't control, like her parents. And so she's using what's at hand to control him. You know, and like, I, I think that I, I, I just don't, I don't think, I don't think anybody in this movie is, is guiltless. I and mean, then maybe like, maybe, you know, maybe it's in the performance and maybe Buck Henry. Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't think that <laughs> I, I just don't think like, it would be so weird for this movie to have this, like, what I also like, love this innocent is person. In it. I just, his, don't, I just his don't parents are, I don't think they're in focus at all the whole time. Yeah. They're barely right. in the frame. Yeah. They're barely, yeah. you barely, they're, they're like puppets. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah, they're, so they are amazing like, how background they are. Yeah. 
Like, again, they're also always jumbled up on each other. Like, yeah. it's certainly, yeah. they're just interposing themselves on each other all the time. So you yeah. don't, like, you, you barely get a, I was just like, because I was like, wait, is that the guy from fucking Parallax View? And I couldn't see him because she kept on turning in front of him and vice versa. Yeah. You know, and so, like, these are, they're, they're complete cartoons. It's just deliberately caustic, though. Yeah, all like, the time. Like, there's constant, like, activity and annoying Everything's grating. Tight. Everyone's putting on a fucking the kitchen act. shots. Everything. It's just yeah. like, ah, oh, they but, uh, want you to make. But even though the, the the homes are beautiful, you don't want to be there. Yeah, everything everything is uncomfortable. And I agree with you, Chris. That like when she accepts the kiss from him, like you're like, ugh, like what the fuck is going on? Who would right. do this? Like she's not like she's a person. She's not like a dimwit. And then the only real answer you can have there is like, you know, which is basically revealed at the end. Like she doesn't, she just, this is the drama. Like you want this to be, these kinds of things to be happening because there's nothing fucking going on in your life. <laughs> like this is it. Everybody's in the same place. They're all just <laughs> drinking themselves silly and betraying each other constantly. So then they go get food together. They chat, they have a wonderful date. They stay out late. Mother's horrified. Right. Right. Uh, at which point I'm trying to fast forward a little bit in the scene, but at which point, uh, she threatens to tell the daughter about their affair. Right. And Hoffman he's like, goes, Oh no, don't do that. And so Hoffman decides I'm going to tell her instead. So if it comes from me, it'll be better. Mm -hmm. At which point he does, he races up to tell her and, uh, uh, she, uh, he races up to tell her and then, uh, that's the whole scene where basically as he's telling her, you, you see the mother realizing that that's what he's doing and yep. she's horrified because the, now the daughter knows. Well, she, in the moment yeah. she loses all of her power. She loses yeah. her power. Right. Right. Yeah. She's, yeah. she is devastated. Not because her daughter knows she's devastated because she didn't control what happened. An episode of the Jeffersons. <laughs> The blackmailer. Do you remember that? Yeah, the blackmailer. <laughs> I do remember that. that yeah, do you remember that? I love it's that. the I same love thing. The how yeah. does he? How does he get, take stuff. care of the blackmailer? He tells the person instead. So that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's how you deal with that. But yeah, like this is the like that's the kind of stuff where you know like the, that Nichols knows that everything in this is a power play. Sex. Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever is happening, it's a power play. Sure. And uh, you know, like. So it, like everyone's uh, people are playing the role they need to play in the moment to get the most advantage. Right. You know, which he replete like, because uh, he also directed closer, right. With uh, Jude law and uh, maybe I'm wrong. Is that Nichols? Sure. I don't know. Maybe that's not Nichols. Um, maybe that's Mike Lee. <laughs> but in any case, like that's, that's his big fascination is, is, uh, is characters. He did direction to power. Yeah. It, it, it's, like everything is a power play in in how he examines things. Like I mean, I mean like Catch Twenty Two is all about people. Like the military has total power over everything you do, and like people try to work within That's the system to work the way around it. Impossible and, to imagine that the military has control. Yeah, just just like and people in the military are trying to have power over each other until you have Milo Minder Binder trying to get like build a company that has power of the military, and the only way out of that kind of power struggle is to simply walk away from it completely uh, as Yossarian does you know and uh, but everyone in The Graduate is completely they think they're escaping something but actually right. they're reinforcing it 
Yep. A, you know, on the second, or this viewing, because I haven't seen it in years, it's, um, it wasn't, it was less sexy than I thought with her. Mm. You know, and I don't know because I was too wrapped up in the psychological aspect of his character and her character more, but I was, it wasn't as, um, Oh, when he's having sex with Mrs. Robinson? When right. she's undressing those kind of scenes. Yeah, oh, it's no, no, it's horrible. Zero sex. Yeah, yeah, it's like... It's, it's, it's very awkward. Years ago, I was like, you know, there wasn't... I thought there was a beauty to her in some way. And Where, uh, on this yeah, one, I was there like... Is. Yeah. There's, so, well, there's a, there's a great... Like, I was going to compare... I guess you brought it before, Chris. Like, you compare uh, Last Picture Show and this. Like, when I watched Last Picture Show for our last episode, like, I was really struck by how much uh emotion and real uh sadness and caring there was in the Cloris Leachman story. Right. Like that's that is the opposite of this. Like where you're just like these are people who are are truly desperate for real emotions. Uh, and then the graduate is the literal opposite of that. Right. Like it's like I don't give a shit about your emotions. <laughs> I just want yeah. you to know that I won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So essentially Elaine goes back to Berkeley because of the whole situation and mm. Dustin Hoffman decides or Ben decides to stalk her. To, well, he says, I'm, <laughs> he goes to his parents and he says, I'm going to marry Elaine. And they're like, that's amazing. Hooray! Hooray! With a suitcase in his hand. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, it's like, and he's like, well, you have to tell the parents. Like, he's like, oh, he's like, they don't know yet. It's like, oh, okay. Well, and she doesn't like, know yet. She, it's like, <laughs> and it's, she. Do, what do you mean she doesn't know? He's <laughs> like, I'm. Oh, she, go. she doesn't know you're coming to San Francisco. It's, no, she doesn't know that she's going to marry me. <laughs> she doesn't know like she's going to marry me. Yeah. And they're like, well, this seems like a bit of a half baked plan, Ben. <laughs> and then the <laughs> toast goes off. Hey, the son. Perfect. This doesn't sound like you thought it all the way through. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, to... like, all this is actually very, very funny. I know it's all, it sounds nasty, and especially yeah. like, because he really is a fucking creepy stalker for the rest of the Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Old, but it yeah. is funny. Now, there is a, there <laughs> well, is that's a... a second aspect of the film. Once he's in San Francisco, there's like the way he goes to the boarding house, it's really stalking. It's just he's strange. a fucking monster, oh, dude. He's the... Okay, so there is a movie I saw with Sophie Marceau, French movie, mm-hmm. where this guy is in love with this girl. With Sophie Marceau, right? Mm-hmm. But he can't seem to be able to be with her, be with her. Right. But he wants to pretend to be with her. Right. So he ends up renting the apartment next to her. Then ha- she has a big mirror because she's a dancer or whatever. Rents right. apartment next to her and then converts his apartment so that the mirror is like a two-way mirror, but she oh, can't yeah, see sure. it. sure. Right. Right. And he's just like basically pretending that he's living with her. Right. Yeah, it's the right. creepiest thing. Well, like the thing is that, like, but in the movie, th- because the French make it like, oh, it's so romantic. He's well, but him. this is true for. All, I mean, like, I think, I think it's uh, like what, what's like. He's I think it's in there's, the there's a lot of re- <laughs> like, yeah, like there's there's a lot of fashionable reappraisal of rom coms as if like, well, you know, this wouldn't be acceptable today. It's like it's not acceptable in reality. Period. It it's a rom com. It never was. Like this is obviously heightened, ridiculous nonsense. Like, of course, this isn't reality and no but, one should ever what, act like but this. But the it's way we solve movie. that now is we do it and then we tell you, like, literally have to tell you, this is not acceptable. 
Yeah, like, no shit. <laughs> like, of course Because not. if we don't tell them that, then right. it's implying that it is acceptable yeah. and we have to cancel the film. Like, almost all of your favorite rom-coms, if they happened in real life, would end up with someone in jail. And you'd be like, yeah, they should be in jail. But that's because this is a movie about a heightened, uh, a heightened version of your own emotions. It's not reality. It's a movie. Like, yes, but then we true. also established the fact that most people thought that he was charming in this movie. That this is what fucking yeah. yes, exactly. This is this point of the movie. Like, I think it's weird, and maybe I'm wrong, but the perception I have of the graduate is that people in the sixties, and people I know of that age bracket, like really identified in a positive way with uh Dustin Hoffman's story. And I'm like, this is a movie that is highly critical of Dustin Hoffman and everyone in it. Like, and it's hard to I don't know how you see it in any other way. Like, this isn't romantic. And I'm not sure how people saw it as like really showing what their struggle was when the movie's like, you want to watch some fucking idiots? Here you go. Like it's the fight club of, of movies, of, 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 of romance movies. So essentially he's in Berkeley, rents a apartment, like a boarding house kind of place. The landlord is, is the same landlord from Street's company, right? Isn't yeah. It? It's Norman Fell. <laughs> yeah. Norman yeah. Fell. <laughs> yeah. But be basically being like the mean version of the same guy. <laughs> same guy. Right. Right. And he's like, I don't like yeah, you. You're right. You're not it's a troublemaker, the, are you? Landlord. Yeah. yeah. You're not a troublemaker, are you? I don't like you. I, like, I, I, love, I love Norman Fell, man. Oh, he's, by the way, that was great. Richard Dreyfus in the hallway. You see him like for a second. Yeah. It's like, hey. And then he's hey, gone. Hey, should we call the cops? <laughs> yeah. Richard <laughs> Dreyfus for like a second. <laughs> you're not some working class hero crap. And he's out. <laughs> <laughs> I was showing it with Brady. I was watching it. I was like, look. And he's like, what? Who is it? He's like. The scientist from Jaws. He goes, oh my God, I do recognize He's that. fucking baby, baby. Because it makes like, that's, that's pre, uh, uh, what do you call it? American Graffiti. So he, yeah, he, he looks like a little, he looks like a Cabbage Patch version of, <laughs> of, uh, of the same guy. It's really funny. Yeah. So, uh, right. So finally he does see her. He keeps trying to talk to her. He keeps talking to her. By the way, I do want to know, he's supposed to be a track star, right? <laughs> yeah. His, uh, as someone running. who ran track, right. his running is really good. Is it really good? That's it's great. Really good. That's He's great. a really good runner. That's like, good. I can oh, tell. He did like, Marathon Man, too. So yeah, he did Marathon it. Man. But yeah, like his, right. his running style. When they goes, shot him running down the street towards the camera. Mm. Ca- when, he's, the when, when, when he's trying to catch the bus. That's actually great. I thought, I thought of it when they were shooting him. Like, he is right in that frame. Like, he's yeah. not fucking moving at all. No, and he's running fast and yep. hard, and his form was perfect. Yeah. Like, it's like, yep, he's <laughs> it's a real actually, track like, like, obviously he, a long-distance runner. He's not running yeah. like a sprinter. He's running like a long-distance runner. But right. he's very, very good. Yeah, that's very really good. funny. Yeah, because there is that very long lens shot that you bring up, Eric, when he's running at camera after he leaves the car. Which is uh, also mentioned in the thing that, like, they use very long lens, so it looks like he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though he's obviously working it, and he's just, like, he stays in the same basic yeah. Uh, set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, the, the, but anyway, he gets on the bus. She's like, oh, no. And then he's persistent about it. Mm-hmm. She gets to his apartment. She explains to him, your, uh, your mother, my mother explained, uh, how you raped her. Right. He's like, I didn't rape her. And he explains to her what happened, that she seduced him. She doesn't want to get it. Screams. Yeah. Right. Screams. Very theatrically. Uh, and upset and angry at him. Mm-hmm. And he, at which point he tries to get her a glass of the water. Then the landlord comes up with all the other boarding house guys. Like, should we call right. the cops? Right. No, and no, then she's, she's suddenly she's in on the gag. She's fine. It's like, don't worry. 
You're like, she's fine. Oh, I'm fine. I have I'm some water. Everything's fine. Water. Like that. That's the that's the moment I was going to bring up. I was just like, there's no way she's as upset as she's playing four seconds ago if she's playing into the gag here. Like, like there's just no way. Like she can't make. It just feels weird. It does. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not- it's like this is what I like. Maybe Catherine Ross isn't. Like selling it well enough, but in terms of like, it could be what, that, like, yeah. yeah, like what, what, like what Nichols is asking her to do is scream at the top of your lungs as if you're being attacked, but don't leave the room. And then four seconds later, but she's a play the gag. Bratty. She's girl. a brat. I understand, but like for example, <laughs> like that's the, it. The the uh uh uh, uh what's uh, Anne Bancroft mm-hmm. is much. Better at no, making us help. believe. No, you know, no, no. That she, she can freaking manipulate the situation. Because I don't. It's hard for us to believe. Catherine Ross. It's hard for us. Her acting does yeah. not make me believe that she's manipulating the situation. She's yeah, almost I think, like I think you're uh, right. the I think Steve you're right. McQueen's wife. Oh, about uh, Ally McGraw. She, she's an Ally McGraw. Cannot act. Yeah, but she's just like an Ally McGraw type. Right. You know right. that it's the very, same. Yeah, it's like how every uh, early two thousands movie looks like. Every, all the cast looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. Like she's a type. Yeah. It's a big wave. You know, and I feel and like I think that Catherine Roth, Ross is pretty is a pretty good actor, but she is exactly the same in this as she is in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Like that, she doesn't vary her shtick literally at all. Whereas, like you know, if you see uh, anyone else in this movie in other movies, they are completely different people because they're. They're not just getting paid to do their one one note act, right? And so, like, I, I feel like she, I feel like she probably wasn't the strongest casting for this role. For but what she was Nichols pretty. Needs her to do. She was yeah, pretty. She's, yeah. she's a big ticket item for. She's a big time. ticket item. Yeah, candy baby. But it's just like yeah, like Steve Queen's big eyes too. Those yeah, she's, eyes she, them, she yeah. yeah she shoots really great. Good she's not bad. She's good. Dungarees. But it's not like what's what's her name from the Getaway with McQueen, uh, Ali Ali McGraw. Like Ali McGraw is a bad actor. You know we're getting she's, old because you just said it like thirty eight seconds ago. Yeah, and I can't <laughs> fucking pull it back. I couldn't. I couldn't remember fucking <laughs> who won the World Series. Yeah. In I just said the goddamn thing. <laughs> it's like you said Richard Dreyfus. I said Richard Dreyfus, and I tried to say it again. <laughs> said, I couldn't I remember. remember Ali McGraw's name, and you said it like thirty eight seconds ago, and now you're like, what was that girl's was name? That the, the the person I was but yeah, like uh, Ali McGraw. Literally it's can't senility act film review. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all the episodes of Martini Giant. We'll start reviewing things it, we never that saw. That scene was good. I don't think I've seen this movie before. The Graduate, have we done this? <laughs> Wait, we're talking about movies? <laughs> exactly. Did you ever see the SNL skit where they had Alexa Silver? Which is like oh, no, I guess the Alexa, already, you know, the Alexa good. box in the right. house, but for, right. for, for old people? <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> I don't oh have time God. for that. <laughs> it's like, what are those boys doing across the street? They're just playing. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Oh, and, says, and she will respond to any name pretty close to Alexa. Adela. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. And it's fine. Satchel Paige. Right. It? <laughs> and they have the new aha uh-huh mode. When it's like, So I went to him and I said, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really funny. Just yeah, look it up. The Alexa starts. Silver starts. On, on SNL. It's hilarious. But yes. So Ally McGraw can't act. Catherine Ross is an Ally McGraw type who can act, but she's probably cast. She's in not this selling movie it the because same way she that, is that going to sell Bancroft the movie. is clearly the best actor. Oh, she is utterly in control of this movie. 
Yes. Like yeah. Anne Bancroft, like the fact that she is like 30, what? Six. Three, 36. 36. And she is acting as if like she's... Like a 50-year-old woman. Yeah, she's acting like she's the 50-year-old matron who's running the entire thing. Like she, every every vocal trick she uses lands perfectly. She's utterly in control of everything that Hoffman does. It's great. Yep. You know, and I, and I also applaud Hoffman just because like he's like in, for most of the movie, he has sort of an easy time because he can just ride the one like, oh, what's happening? Shtick. But when he needs to change, he changes very well. Like he Hoffman? actually Hoffman has the range to really pull the movie off. Oh, yeah. Because, and like in this in the second act, it act, it asks a lot more of him it's to make it work. Well cast. Yeah, for sure. Can yeah. you imagine Robert Redford in this role? That would, oh, oh, my he would, God. That would, he would turn to a serial killer movie. You'd be like, what is <laughs> happening? <laughs> like this guy. Like, I love Redford. But it, oh, man, that'd be an awful movie. That'd be a terrible movie. Like, I yeah, get turned down by a girl. What do you mean? What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. That's a good one. All right. I'm going to look it up. Okay, so hold on. So, so at this point, she sort of accepts this, but she he wants to marry her, and they're, they're they're hanging out together. And she says, "I'm already getting married," and she, and she leaves. Right. Uh, at which point she leaves. The father is there. Father knows everything. Mm-hmm. Pissed off. Yeah. This and I love Mary Hamilton in this scene. Tell them the this scene. Is, like. <laughs> When the father shows up to, well, like at the crappy apartment, at the crappy apartment, like, wow, Hamilton, yo, go ahead, Eric. No, keep going. Sorry. I'll tell you guys after that. Hamilton is, is so pitch perfect in the scene where he is both incredibly angry. Yet. This is also the thing that he is. This moment is what he has constructed with his life so that he can be in the moral position of rightness so that he can be strong, right? But at the same time, he is afraid of Dustin Hoffman physically, and he is trying to constantly say, please unclench your fist, as if Hoffman's going to attack him, which he's not, and it's totally obvious that he's not. So you're seeing this dude wrestle with this, like he finally has a moment, which he has the absolute moral high ground, which is what he has been hoping for, for probably a decade. Because he's the biggest douche of them all. <laughs> yeah, because he's a fucking weak noodle, right? And and like now he's like, you are the villain and I have the upper hand morally finally, haha. And But he doesn't, uh, he can't find the strength within himself to defend his position whatsoever. So he acts very cowardly simultaneously really mad and righteous. And it's like, it's such a brilliant uh, like, I don't even know how he found the right notes in order to play the scene correctly, but it's fucking gold. He's hysterical. He's sweaty. He's angry. He's haughty. And but he's, he's also weak. saying, I have control now. <laughs> it's, yes, it's my wife and I are going to get divorced. Finally. Finally. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're getting what you want, Murray. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is your dream come and true. So, so, yeah. So, you're, you're going to get your wife and I are going to, uh, my wife and I are going to get a divorce. Finally, as I said, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and then also, um, uh, uh, she, my daughter's going to get married and you're going to be nowhere around it. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the most like weird backwards it's uh-huh a weird, moment. That was it's a like, weird thing. It's fantastic. It's one of like, this is one of the, I, I can't even imagine trying to like, if I were directing this, I, I wouldn't have come up with it. Like I'm that just, was like, very parallax view too. It, yeah. It's brilliant. where they got cornered or clued. Yeah, very clued. Though the lighting is very, very clued. Absolutely. And like and like he is on the verge. Like 
I guess like what I love about the scene is Hamilton perfectly expresses the ludicrousness of the movie itself in sure. his performance. Like he seems insane in the in that movie. I actually think it's the the towards the end, the wedding scene when the they all start yelling to oh, yeah. and talking. Yeah. That's yeah. when it's really Oh, then, then then it's That's like everybody town. in the movie is uh, is in the same chorus together in that yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. like this is this is the one moment where the 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 fi- like a character finally achieves everything that they have wanted, and it in order to pretend as if it's not what they want, they have to act aggrieved and happy about it at the same time. You're like, Mayor of Jaws, look at you, Mayor of Jaws. <laughs> so what I was going to read before we get out, yeah, I looked it up. So Robert Redford is correct. Gene Hackman was Dustin Hoffman's roommate at the time. And he was in the role for Mr. Robinson and he was hired, but he was fired three weeks into it because he was too young looking. Oh, weird. Charles Grodin went for Benjamin Braddock. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Get the role. Right. Doris Day was supposed to be Mrs. Robinson. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Grodin and Doris Day? auditioned and went high up for Benjamin Braddock. Oh, man. Ronald Reagan for Mr. Braddock. He auditioned. That would be great, too. Yeah. Jack Nicholson as Benj- for Benjamin Braddock. Ava Gardner as Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, I heard okay. the Ava Gardner one, but she was too... Burt Ward. Dude, okay, out of that cast, what, I'm going to pick my, my faves right there. Ronald Reagan, Doris Day, Charles Grodin is possibly a better movie than what we got. <laughs> like that's insane the other people that's involved insane. that were considered sorry i took over jean jean moreau patricia jean moreau, Neal, yeah. geraldine right. page shelly winners eva marie oh, saint God. i can yeah, see no other actors considered to play elaine were candy bergen sally field yeah, sure. natalie wood and margaret jane fonda tuesday weld lee remick and uh remick would have been interesting remick would have been really interesting Uh, remick would have been interesting sally field would not yeah Uh, sally field would have even more of the problem that uh that ross and margaret would not have worked yeah definitely no definitely no but like and and definitely no on um um uh, what's her name um uh from lolita and uh the mother from lolita from poseidon shelly winters like i you have to like uh, you have to have someone in that role who is absolutely, you're just like, I understand, I understand this happening. <laughs> and Shelly Winters is not that. Shelly Winters, even when she's, you know, uh, a young and in Westerns is like a very screechy, unattractive I, person. Guys, I got to say, I was not off. Other actors considered to play Ben. You ready? Sure. Steve McQueen. George Picard, <laughs> uh-huh. George Hamilton. Did I George not mention him at the beginning? There it is. Tony Perkins. Yeah. Brandon yeah, yeah. DeWild and Michael Parks. See, Tony Perkins would have been tongue on the nose because he was in Psycho. <laughs> like that would have been, uh, that would have been way of showing yeah, him. Him stalking her would have been way yeah. too awkward. Yeah. Way, yeah. Yeah. You have to, uh, have to someone. But really, he's also really that actor that no one could forget his role. So there's no way people could think that he was this college student coming back oh, yeah, because it's not possible they yeah. just like oh that's the psycho guy oh so incidentally you before, need an unknown before i forget it just to interject this has nothing to do with the movie but it does have to do with tony perkins i just rewatched a movie that everyone should see that we should do on the show called uh winter kills uh, nice. which has uh tony perkins 
in one of his, one of his best roles. Uh, I'm advertising because I think we should do this movie. Winter kill, winter kills. Get a load of this cast just really briefly. Jeff Bridges, John Huston, Anthony Perkins, Sterling Hayden. Wow. And nobody has seen this movie. I swear to God, you have to see Winter Kills. Put it in our put it in our notes. Okay, we'll put putting it in, it in the Discord. list. Yes, Winter Kills. Oh. All right, that all right, it right. is gold. You gotta fit, we're already two hours in. And we still haven't got to the other movie. All right, all right. Okay, so um, so he decides he's gonna go find her. He's on this, so he's on the hunt to try to find her because she's gonna get married very soon, and he has to get there. So he goes. He finds out where the guy. Her husband. She he met. He knows her fiance because they were dating. So goes to the fraternity. Asks a bunch of guys there. Said I'm supposed to be in the wedding. I don't know where it is. It's like it's in Santa Barbara. And so they drives in Santa Barbara, and they're playing Mrs. Robinson. That's the first time they're playing Mrs. Robinson, uh, which is uh, pretty pretty great. And he's like because of the way he's racing and racing and racing to do it. And they do a great gag in there where he's at the gas station trying to find the church, and he's like looking it up, and he's like it's right around here, and then he. The gas station guy said, do you need gas? He's like, no. And he just takes off, but he runs out of gas. And they do this great gag where the the, the rhythm of the guitar. As the car runs out. As the yeah. car runs out of gas. It's like a perfect. Yep. Perfect. That's great gag. The music. Because then you've been hearing the music. And it's just awesome. But he's also whistling it, which is interesting. Yeah, whistling his teeth. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, and then so finally he starts running towards the church. Again, that's that shot, which is really long. It feels like he's never going to get there. Gets to the church. Church is locked, but he sees there's an upstairs gallery area. He looks down on the, on them. They are getting married. The final. <laughs> right. The, the, in fact, it has just happened. It has just happened. It, it They're just doing happened. the kiss, right? right? At which point he starts banging on the glass. Classic scene, right? And you're like, they're all looking at him and they're like, ah, yeah. the mother's like, and then, man, this is the moment when you, you know, like, when the dad's like, you know, I'll, I'll take care of them. And then, uh, and then the mom's like, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> She's like grinning. <laughs> Just you're like, too late. Yeah. You're too late. You're too late. You're too it late. Feels, it, she feels ah. like an evil, yeah, it's like, like an evil witch. Yeah. She'd evaporate. Yeah. yeah like yeah, an yeah, evil absolutely. witch is like, ah, she yeah, you're too late. that's married. actually, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it yeah. is. It's crazy. Yeah. But she does it well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's great. She's absolutely By the way, perfect. what I read to you guys earlier, imagine Ronald Reagan. I, I, I didn't, that's crazy. Ronald Reagan, dude. Well, I, I want to point out really? uh, uh, J- Jason, Jason put that in the chat. He's like, you know, this is a candidate for a digital humans remake right here. Like the, the Grodin Doris Day Ronald Reagan remake of this movie can happen with AI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's in our future. That would be great. All right. Uh, so she then turns around, looks at him. After a while, this tension, attention is building. Everyone's yelling, and she's just kind of staring at him. And then she goes, Bah! You know, yeah. and she, she falls for bah! it. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, she, that is a singularly uh, disturbing moment in Catherine Ross's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She looks a little awkward. <laughs> she, but she runs God. out. And he grabs her and blocks the door with some something, and they run off to get on a bus. Oh, and the famous shot of like she's oh yeah, they used a cross to block he's the door, swinging with a cross to keep everyone. I'm sure everyone in the '60s was like ah, that's right. 
yeah how how anti-establishment very funny uh how's that guys did and so he gets they get on a city bus and they get on the back of the bus which is the scene right behind us the final shot of the movie mm-hmm. and they're so happy so happy and they're laughing and they're like oh my god i can't believe it is and then just before the credits roll up they're expressing change just enough that they realize oh this is this <laughs> what is what do we do this is one of the greatest moments in hoffman's filmography he had like perfect acting and easily the greatest moment in uh catherine ross's filmography and their work together the timing of what expression is happening on either one of their faces and how they look at each glance at each other it's like it literally can't be better perfect take one of the best shots in cinema history like right. it is um abs that that moment is an absolute masterpiece that's basically the moment that was behind daniel on the frame before us but what the, what it <laughs> it means is they think they just did the most romantic thing possible yeah nah. they just realized they don't know where to go from here. Yeah. There's All no of idea. this is a giant performance. Right. Like they have been like now they're on the bus and all these older people are looking back at them and like, you're just on the fucking bus with everybody else, dude. You're, you're going to end up in the same hole. Yep. Like this is all just a shtick to entertain your, uh, entertain yourself while you pretend not to be lost. That's what's happening for everybody. Right, right, right. It's like California, that movie with Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, I love. Yeah, I love that movie. It's and what's movie. her name? Uh, who was the? Oh, girl? she's great. Um, yeah, what? Yeah, what is that actor's name? She's very oh, good. Sh- she's so she, good. She's a lot of TV. She's very good. Oh come on, that would be. Uh, it's got X Files guy and um, and her are the um, California with K, isn't it? She dated yep. him too. Did she? Yeah, I think so. Right, Pitt? they would have had very, very attractive children. Juliet Lewis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Juliet Lewis. That was. But I'm thinking of the other woman who is, um, um, with David Duchovny in that movie. She's, oh, uh, she's great. She she's also, also played great. in uh, The Crown. She played Margaret. Oh, Thatcher. she in The Crown? I haven't seen The Crown. Yet. She played Margaret Thatcher. She's she's a terrific actor. She's really good. Great, great character actor. That's that's an underseen movie. I was actually, I was just talking about this, uh, cause someone, California, Cali- California. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a great little noir and, uh, Very it's noir. great. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great, yeah. Great nineties noir. And you know what uh, that would be a good pairing with true romance. Oh, perfect. Love, literally perfect. Literally same years. Yeah. Same year. Yeah, both, both, similar have, movies. both have Pitt, you know, yeah. it's one of Pitt's funniest performances in, in true romance. Don't disrespect me. So good. Uh, get maybe some, uh, what was it? Uh, honey bears or whatever he says like he's super stunned yeah yeah, yeah and that great. was what's his name from uh sopranos yeah yeah that's all oh, right yep yep okay so um we're gonna move on to francis ha but i'm gonna take a break before we could do that so right, that we're gonna good, move to yes. a commercial so uh, if graduate, you guys want to do chit chat and talk about uh something else you, guys you got do it. that but i've got a couple minutes that i need to do all right. Behind the ad, what will we talk about? Uh, talk about the ad. Uh, I'm going to say that, uh, Eric, you, Eric, are you a fan of the movie Catch-22? Yes. 
I think we should do Catch Right Two sometime soon. I'm a you've talked about huge, it enough, but uh, huge, yes. huge. Fan. We'd enter the dragon. <laughs> of course, obviously, makes perfect sense. Yep, but uh, yeah, that's the catch the dragon. Like I, I, I always feel bad because I let like mash. I'm eating, okay, I'm sorry. Oh, that's I'm fine. Starving. Matt Mash utterly destroyed Catch Twenty Two on opening, because uh, Mash Mash caught the zeitgeist in the way that the graduate did. Um, and it's too bad because Mash is nowhere near as good as Catch Twenty Two. Like Mash is a pretty good movie, and I like Altman. A lot. I love Altman, but uh, I love Altman. I don't like Mash as much. Yeah, as I, I like I like it. It's but it's uh, it's on the lower end of his list for me rather than many of his other movies. Uh, and Catch Twenty Two is a like I also love the book Catch Twenty Two. Um, mm-hmm. and I know that they don't get to do everything from the book, but just as a movie by itself, I think Nichols, like they spent so much time crafting that movie and the and the staging and the character work is so terrific and so experimental. And that's another great Grodin performance in that. He plays a real villain. Uh, and he's incredibly, incredibly funny and very, very scary in that movie. Um, but Alan Arkin, who just passed, we should definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Man, did terrific. I. Yeah. Love him. Love, Al- love Alan Arkin. Love him. Alan- oh, so sad. That was very that sad. That is very sad. Shoes, boots, see- yes. Did you guys see Little Miss Sunshine? Of course, yes. yes. Yeah, he's yeah. terrific. Terrific. I love that. And he's so good. Down and out in Beverly Hills. I see him there too. Gosh, I haven't seen that in probably 25 years. Who is he in Down and Out in Beverly Hills? Oh, he's the dad. A, he's the dad? Yeah. There's Nick, yeah. Nick Nolte. Who Nick else is Nolte, that? Nick uh, Nolte, Bette Midler. Bette Midler. No, no, right. no. The Beverly Hills. No, down and up. Beverly, that's Richard Dreyfus. Is Richard that Richard Dreyfus? Richard Dreyfus is the dad. Bette Midler. Uh, Nick he did Nolte, the Beverly Hills. With the Ninja. kids, and <laughs> they couldn't afford Beverly Hills. Wait, what? Now it's the old man show. Now that you, this is the old man show. <laughs> Wait, what was that What's movie? The name with of the Estevez and uh, yeah, I, I do don't this know, with Dad. my wife too all the time. And it's you know, 20, 20 <laughs> plus years of Beverly America. Hills. Slums of Beverly Slums Hills. Slums of Beverly yes. Hills. No one will remember. This is the last time on the earth that that movie's title will be spoken. That was it right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is when it, it disappeared from the consciousness of humanity right after this um. <laughs> like a star supernova <laughs> just it. supernova the last of it sad <laughs> you thought what about bob would last that's next yeah, i like what about bob oh i like what about bob but like that's on that's on the uh, that's on the death of stars i love path. that that's a very funny movie <laughs> it's a funny movie it's nobody knows what we're talking movie. about right now i was challenged uh, on the in- on the internet's that uh, I was like, nobody, like I said that Jacob's Ladder is the most influential horror film that nobody has seen. And someone was like, oh yeah, nobody's seen that. I'm like, if you fucking talk to anybody on the YouTubes, they have not seen Jacob's Ladder. That is a completely sure. forgotten film. That should be up there with like The Exorcist and nobody remembers that one. I'm not crazy. I may be old and forget what's his name's name. You know, the guy <laughs> from Jaws, that guy. I do this with my wife all the time. Like, Who's the name of that movie with that guy? And she goes, "You're talking about Alec Baldwin." That's it. Oh, like, that's the and one. How, yes. Like, how did she pull that out? Because, like, I've known you for twenty years. I, I get can, the context. I can of the early conversation. The steps in I, your can, brain. I can see that you were headed towards Baldwin because twenty minutes ago you were talking about that other Baldwin film, and I know right. that's in your mind. The exactly. Edge with Anthony Hopkins. That's the one. That's the one you were thinking of. Yep. Who's who's that guy in that movie? That's that's the that line that I is. say all the time. Who's that guy in that movie? <laughs> What's his name? Flamingo Kid, Matt Dillon. I knew <laughs> it. 
How did you I pull that, that one off? Remember that movie? That was a good movie. It's a good movie. Flamingo Kid. Oh yeah. Flamingo Kid. Yeah. Flamingo Kid. Was, uh, what was the name of that? Okay. I'm going to do it again. You're doing it again. Brad Pitt did an, mm-hmm. like an, uh, like a, like a weird indie film. I think it was called like Blue Suede Shoes or something like that. No, Johnny Suede. Johnny Suede. Yes. Did you see that? It's a long it's a time weird ago. Weird movie. I thought that was Brad Pitt. That is Brad That's Pitt. That's what I said. Brad Pitt. That's yeah. what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the old man hour. Which guy? Brad Pitt, right? Which guy? What's his name? <laughs> Welcome to the old man trying to remember a movie podcast. That's what we should rename this. Yeah, no kidding, man. Oof. All right. Francis Ha. Speaking of young people. Yes. Francis Ha. Francis Ha. <laughs> so this is a movie that was Eric uh, Daniel has suggested as mm-hmm. a pairing with The Graduate. Now, why did you decide to pair these two? Because they, these are uh, these are two movies about people just post-college who suddenly realize they don't know what the fuck they're doing with their lives. Um, and uh, specifically, I chose this one because it is the opposite of The Graduate in the way that it handles it. Right. They're not, they're clueless. Yes. These are like, these are, this is a very empathic, sympathetic drawing of uh, a sketch of people uh, suffering the same dilemma. Uh, and, uh, and the, uh, and it's a, it's a movie of self-realization as opposed to self-obfuscation, which is the graduate. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's also Greta Gerwig, who is very huge right now because Barbie, I think is about to cross a billion dollars. Nice job. Barbie. It it has made all kinds of records so far, like including the highest grossing film directed by a woman ever. And it beats a, it's the Warner Brothers' biggest, uh, like highest grossing release for that time frame. Uh, they beat Dark Knight. It's made more wow. more money than Dark Knight did in the same time frame. Yep. So I'm a big Greta Gerwig fan, uh, and uh, this was the movie that I, I, I uh, initially I was like, I need to know everything that she does, it was because of this. So I saw Lady Bird. Which I think was before this, right? No, I no. Yep, I believe she doesn't. Direct, oh, but direct she directed Lady Bird. Yes, she she co-writes this with Bombach, who she is now married to and has She's kids now with. Married to. Um, and like you know, said earlier, but like I'm like I like Noah Bombach. Like I think that he is generally a value add, but I don't like I'm not over the moon with his stuff, except Francis Ha, and I believe that is because of Greta Squid and the Whale. I liked. Yeah, very well. good movie. Very good movie. He has a couple of good movies that I like a lot. And he, I like his movies with Wes, Wes Anderson a lot. Um, but he's never done anything that, that got me nearly half as much as Francis Ha did. So that, that is, uh, I, I credit Gerwig a lot. Perhaps unfairly, but she, she brings something to his storytelling that he desperately needed, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, yep, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I watching this again. I love this movie, but I'll let you start off. Yeah, Chris doesn't see it. So, what do you think? So, I need to see it several more times in different conditions because mm-hmm. why am I drunk? <laughs> well, no. I was hammered. <laughs> let me tell you, stone hammered upside down. My methadone, I was watching this my on methadone a phone. kicked in, and I was like, I don't know where I am. Peeking on Molly's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I need to, so you know how sometimes you have a certain state of mind or there are certain things that are bothering you or thinking or think, talk, thinking about, 
that uh, that uh, that can affect how you react towards a film. And I no, think we had the film, Barbie show, and I had the same problem. You had the same <laughs> issue. I understand yeah, exactly. that. Right. And so, so to me, I have some problems with this film. Uh, and not to say that it's not a fantastic performance and a good message and all that stuff. However, <sighs> it feels very much centered around the the New York. Oh, it's 100% point of view. Very localized such, film. Yeah. To such an extreme that it doesn't actually, uh, open up towards mm. other scenarios that much. Now, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing. And again, I said, I have to rewatch it in order to get over some of these issues. Sure. Uh, but there's a little bit of sex in a city than this. That, <laughs> sure. That I, I genuinely hate that show, but I totally which get what you're I genuinely <laughs> hate, and it sort of brought and maybe that you know. Remember, you're talking about Barbie. Right. Yeah, Barbie had your PTSD with uh, with, Return, uh, with of Return of the Jedi. I had a little <laughs> yes. bit of PTSD with totally get what you're Sex saying. in the City here, right? Because yeah. Sex in the City really bothers me now. I'm saying this is not Sex in the City, right? At but all. I, the, I can I can absolutely see what you're uh. saying there because like uh, Sex in the City makes you never want to go to New York in case you run into anyone like that ever. Right. <laughs> it's so specific to this particular experience that you're like, yes. I need to. Uh, that's like nuclear radiation, and I must avoid it. <laughs> I don't know why this 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 came up. And again, like I said, I need to see it again a few more times sure. to get that. I think a lot mouth? of people actually. I think this is uh, this is not uncommon. I know I've, I've, there are people in Twitter who uh, who follow the show uh, right. who are like, I couldn't even make it through this movie and annoyed me so heavily. So I think that you're not on, that you're not alone in this. If it, if it strikes you wrong, it didn't annoy reasons. me. Mm. I'm just saying it had some I had some issues with it, and I think also uh, part of it was uh, I, again, it's weird. This is our our circumstance right now due to our current political climate. It felt so like close minded about just the New York. Like they only live in New York in this apartment and I have oh, yeah. only New York points of view in my yep. life. Yep. And somehow that felt like you gotta open up a little bit more. Which, by the way, is the point of the movie. Yeah. Well, she, yeah. she's <laughs> just, like, right. She is like she it's such uh it is only her it, actually the movie that it also relates to is uh the um i'm gonna get it before i say what's the name of the guy and the thing <laughs> uh the theme of our podcast what's the, the name of that thing uh the the movie we covered from the other von trier um about the woman with a very hyper narcissistic point of view uh tar. no the other one which i love tar um oh uh oh uh 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 uh, uh yes you're absolutely it's right it's swedish uh, worst person in the world worst person norwegian Yes, Norwegian. Those are not yeah. the same country, by the way. So, Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> to, to all my friends from Amsterdam, obviously, they understand. That's, That's not uh, even close to the I same know. country. <laughs> you, you were yes. thinking Denmark, and you said Denmark. Amsterdam. <laughs> this is the this is the structure of my humor. <laughs> yeah, you see, American geography. Like, yeah. That's right. In a nutshell. Yeah. Um, and, this, and actually, that's another point, right? So, you know, Americans are always portrayed. As being the country that doesn't realize there's a world outside of America. Sometimes New Yorkers are, feel like people that don't realize there's a world outside of New York. Oh, yeah, so exactly. Famous yes. old New Yorker cover. Yeah, like this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. this is and the... that's like actually, you're right. That's the New Yorker. I know exactly the New Yorker cover you're talking about. And I think that's part of me felt that a little bit in this. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. I feel, and I think that like the, like I, 
I don't think that this is a, cause I mean, uh, worst person in the world is, is really sort of, it's criticized. It's a, it's a movie about a narcissist who doesn't realize that she's a narcissist. I don't feel like this is a movie about a narcissist. I think this is a very effective movie about somebody who's young and, uh, and has a, has a struggles to believe that they are valid because they only have a very limited experience and they know this one experience so well, and it feels so home, like so much like home for them, uh, that it is their whole world. And even when, and even when you go in this movie to a whole other city, it resists, uh, experiencing that city. Yes. Um, I think, I mean, part of me actually, honestly, I was really looking forward to this podcast mm-hmm. because when we go through these conversations, it'll help put me, it'll help me like this movie again. Yeah. That no, I, 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 did I want to like, yeah, I, to- I totally hear where you're coming from. I think that the, the movie is like there, I think that the movie is extremely effective at uh, doing what it's, what, what you're observing it's doing on purpose. Yes. It's doing it extremely well, yes. but with that in mind, it can be irritating. <laughs> she is she is struggling with being in the with having to become an adult. Yes, and making adult decisions. Right. right. She's you know she went to Vassar, which is where the, her college was. Mm-hmm. Which have I went to one of those small liberal arts colleges in the Northeast. Eric, you did too. Which one did you? you yeah, you did too. Right. You've been to several of them as well. Uh, but it's you are it's like going to camp like you are taken care of in those schools yeah. right yeah. everything it's a little is cultivated experience perfectly safe everything yeah. is fine you right. never have to learn anything you learn a couple of hard lessons but don't yep. worry everyone's going to take care of you giant safety net right beneath giant, you don't worry giant yeah. safety net so when you actually have to go out into the real world uh oh wait you know, and I dealt with it and like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to balance my checkbook. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> so credit cards have to be paid get turned every down month? By a girl. What? Every month yeah, you have to pay exactly. credit card? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Which is what this story is about. Right. Uh, right. So acting, fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, very indie also, mm-hmm. which I also liked. Black and white. Interesting choice. And, and, and one of the most beautifully shot black and white movies I can think of in the past 20 years. Like it's so, it's so gentle and beautifully, like, I don't know. I like, I, I, it's so immersive. It's such an immersive experience in this very, very specific tone. Like it feels like, uh, it feels like an extension and exploration of Woody Allen's work in Manhattan. So I was also saying this feels like a Woody Allen film. Mm -hmm. Uh, It feels, it feels like if Woody Allen was going to remake Manhattan, besides the subject matter, yeah, yeah, it, it, it feels has like that a same very, very specific love of, of a particular area, right? Yep, and uh, it's very, it's lavish in its expression of that. Yeah, but like Manhattan tells you right at the beginning of the movie, like why he loves Manhattan. He goes over that line over and over and oh, over yeah, again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that Manhattan you like, got a strange expression on your face. What's your? I'm thinking? listening to you guys, but uh, uh, keep going. I, it's 
Yeah, okay, okay, we'll get there. I'm okay. I want to hear what you got to say, Eric. <laughs> no, no, no. Just keep going. Just, like I think, like <laughs> I think that have the, this expression, like I don't know what the hell these guys are talking about. Yep. Like I, I think, I think that there's a tipping okay, point. Tell between... me what you tell me what you're thinking. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> Manhattan glorify not going to glorify, but they make it like a um, Irving Berlin, or there's a there's this quality to it that is the Manhattan you dream of or in a dream that's mm -hmm. you stole around, you look up at the sky at night or the buildings when you had too much to drink and you come out from a restaurant. Yeah. Right. This is not so, uh, this movie I've seen this before. I love this movie and so much of this uh, was like, and not in a good way either, but that I I knew every character. Yeah, every character it's, there. It's I had an apartment like that. Building. I used to sit on the yeah. bal in the fire escape and smoke with this girl I used right. to date. And the characters of the different relationships of people in the building. Get a cat. Well, should we break up? Okay, let's break up. The restaurant scene. Been oh, to God. that. Been God. to that. I've had that happen to me where. I literally had to go find an ATM mm -hmm. and there's so much to it. But the thing, and even the Paris thing, mm -hmm. like I, I've had that happen to me and yep. I was like, I'll go. And I literally get to Paris and I'm just, I meet some new people. But the point is I thought it was very, um, I loved her character. I feel like also um, it's very hard when you're in that, um, when you get, are that young and you move to New York, and this is before I moved, before I went to grad school, and then with you, and it was like uh, you're constantly you want to be successful mm -hmm. because it's so hard if you're not, and that pressure is on you. And what's I found the the most illuminating was in the opening of the film, you see her reading. But her friend, who eventually goes with Patch, by the uh -huh. way, that's a very Greenwich Patch. name. Patch, you know Patch. What's up, bro? <laughs> and they, she's reading, but she's knitting. Mm -hmm. So the girl that ends up with the guy in Japan is knitting or doing exercise, and she's trying to become something. Yes. But then she hangs out with all these guys who um, are super wealthy. And yeah. I and everything's to, easy. I used to go to those guys' place, and I, yeah. I knew a guy who had a place in Gramercy that his father left them. And it's like one of the oldest apartments in the city, so it's probably worth you know at the time like you know twenty five million dollars. And it's just lounging, guys yeah. lounging, listening to yeah. new CDs because they went to Tower, and it's just like. I am new. And what's, exactly what's lovely that. about it, right? <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, writing this film. What's it right. about? Well, it's about you know right. this PA who's on you know. Who's basically becomes a superhero? Really? That sounds stupid. Man, I'm telling you, it's going to sell. Or I, I'm going I, to be an SNL. All those characters I know. Yes, SNL. I love his right? like all every time he's just like, knew. oh yeah. And the anger she had, where she's like, oh, her, it's a bunch of rich kids' apartment. Mm -hmm. You would walk in and you'd be like, oh, that's a rich kid's apartment. Or his mm -hmm. father has a lot of money. You could tell. Or the way the clothes and Adam Driver nailed it. I can oh, yeah. name people. He, he is he like I, I really want to highlight that just because like it, it would be easy to what I love about this movie is it's not it's both cri it's critical of people and they're like the rich rich kids in their apartment and all this stuff but it's not mocking because 
it Ad- is Adam mocking. Hey, like Adam Driver is extremely lovable in this movie. They're like, all lovable. Dude. Like I'm just like I totally get but this and I love the, this guy. The thing like, that I he obviously to, has it easy as a fucking great motorcycle. <laughs> the, the thing that I related to was the um, she would go out to she went out to di- one of those dinners and everyone's there's like a lawyer and so yes. forth. There's yeah. an enormous amount of pressure on you. And, and she's on the you, outside of this. She's like, yeah, and she she's, doesn't. And she's broke all the time. <laughs> she's broke and nobody and takes her seriously. Her but best friend is going to move to a, really, a nicer part of town. And That's she's like, right. I can't afford to live there. You know? And it's she does Bridget know. Jones's diary though. Yeah, sure. It is. I love that, I love that movie too. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. The point is, <laughs> it, the payoff is that when she goes into the apartment and she comes out of the frame and she goes open, that's like you knew that she she grew as a person. Yes, and we yep. all I went through stuff like that because I had friends who were just all of a sudden so successful at making money, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go to the parties and you the dinner parties downtown, and you basically are you know, I work for a director, I drive a truck. Yep. Do you know yep. what I mean? I, I literally. One of my yeah. roommates from high school, prep school, like saw me in a truck and he never talked to me again. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. On eight, like, I what, was on what's sixth and and eighteenth in a truck on a film shoot. Right. And he was like, What are you doing in the truck? And he right. never talked to me again. Yep. And, and like, it, the, there's a pressure for, on you. And I absolutely and the fact that she won was at the end on her own terms was yeah. beautiful because she really screwed up. And yeah, she, and she and the thing is like what I and I love the thing like she's not like the thing that she thinks she wants to do, which is dance. She's not that good at it. Oh my god, she's, no, not she's good terrible at it. It's so okay. wonderful. Okay. She's okay. bad. She's bad at it, and it's really funny. I do that. Okay, we most people have not seen this movie, especially. People. I think yes. it's a okay. Yeah. Okay. Film. Okay. So we and need to go through it because New if we start talking about film. how it's it a ends. film about somebody growing. It is a film about somebody growing. I agree, but we need to put some context to all the scenes that we're describing. So let's do it. So let's do it. So Eric's, I know you love this film and I'm very happy to talk about it. And I love everything you've said so far, having seen the film, but tell people how it starts. What's it? What's it? It starts with two roommates and it it looks like you think they're in the Lower East Village at Tompkins Park, Tompkins Square Park, but it isn't. It's like uh, in Brooklyn. It's got to be Brooklyn, right? Yeah. yeah, They can't afford the village. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no. Uh, Well, yeah. Look. The, um, the East Village back in the late 80s and 90s was, uh, you know, affordable. You know, it wasn't like that today. This isn't supposed to be 80s. No. Yeah, right. So it's Brooklyn and they are roommates and friends. They're best friends. They almost seem like lesbian lovers. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're very, not. They, 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 they love are in love. With, they they love, each other, love each other. And yeah. they would sleep, each is, other with, they would sleep with each other, but they're, they still like. Men. Yeah, like uh, yeah, there's no, there's no like they, they're not sexually attracted to each other, but they love each other more than anyone else in the world. Like that's they love that's each, they love each other more than they love their their boyfriends. No, without a doubt, easily. Like they're she basically, does not love her boyfriend at all. Yeah, and what, although I wanted to just want to highlight the way well, even this movie is so kind that it even treats Patch kindly, like Patch, who is a a jerky rich douchebag <laughs> like, like yeah i'm just like i don't know and even patch, in the end like you're just like oh well you know patch, patch is pretty things. much the 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 fiance of elaine from like, the graduate <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. He's coloring a pipe <laughs> right uh-huh. yeah <laughs> exactly. that is so uh where i grew up in connecticut patch 
patch. Like, yeah. That's fucking And classic, it's just man. like unbelievable how dead on they were about oh, everything. But, but All like, the pre credits, this movie frames this as the the thing that she has to get right. Like the 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 stakes of the movie are if she can get right with her best friend again, then she's figured herself out. And so right. like it does because it tells this very quick little tightly edited story um, of their life together as roommates in Brooklyn. And it's just these little quick sequences where it's just like you see them uh, like at the laundromat and they're taking yeah, the extra shirts they wore off to stuff in the laundry you know, like they're playing uh scrabble and uh Greta Gerwig just freaks out and throws the board you know like they're like all these like beautiful little uh sketched moments of how much they care for one another and how much uh time they spend together and then it shows the title and so it essentially it says this is the background love story that you have to keep an eye on and once this is in alignment again because the first thing they do is break it then you'll know when the movie is close to ending and which is just a great structural device. Right. Right. And, and she, she is her, her new security is having not her boyfriend, but her roommate. Yes. Yeah. And so the, I guess the way, the way to say it is like the movie starts in heaven, right? Where she's living a perfect life with the woman she loves best friends and you see all these glorious moments in this moment in time in a place she's title given, happens right she's given then, a choice mm -hmm. to live with her boyfriend who says let's get a cat yes and we can get two of them and i put a deposit down basically like let's and then she's like oh well um not sure <laughs> this is that. such a great scene it's just I like, know, because he's like, well, I guess we like break a slow up. Motion car crash. I guess we break up. like, are, are we breaking up? Wait, are we like, breaking up? <laughs> like she oh, very I much mean, says, I thought you said, well, no. Did you say that? <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, by the time that he's like, well, I mean, I'll take care of the cats then. But then you'll be a single guy with two cats. Yes. Why would I be a single guy? Really funny. Why would I be a single guy? Well, didn't you say... Oh. Well, all right, this we should talk. Working. You break up? God. It's not working. <laughs> like, why, am I, yeah. why am I a single guy all of a sudden? Yeah, it's so good. This this hasn't, this hasn't, well, this hasn't, been, like he says very defensively, like, well, this hasn't been working for a while anyway. And she goes, this hasn't been working for a while. <laughs> like, okay. So, uh, and like, all she wants thing, to do is go back to be with her roommate. Yeah, because like, essentially she's like, and she's because she initially turns him down based on the idea of like, well, you know, she's going to want to extend the lease. So I'm going to have to keep on living with her because it kind of said that I would. Right. Turns out the same thing happens for her best friend and her best friend's like, yeah, I took it. And so I'm going to move out. And she's like, but you were what well, we're just going to suddenly <laughs> she's instantly fucking set free. She's her her uh, her non-girlfriend girlfriend dumps her at the beginning of the movie. Right. Right. And uh, and then and then she is just a fucking. And she also realizes mess. she doesn't understand how life works yes. at all. She's so dependent on every like she's so used to this cozy little existence where everything right. is kind of taken care of. Like her roommate cleans her room for her, all this kind of stuff. Right. And now she's like fucked completely. <laughs> doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not at all. Now we do know that she is a dancer and part of a dance company 
Yes. Yeah, However, she is not part not of the dance good. company. She's an apprentice to yes. a dance company. She, exactly. She's and the she's understudy. not that good at dancing. Exactly. <laughs> you see her perform and you're like, oh. <laughs> It's and because this is Greta Gerwig, it's so endearing. Yes, like, it's so lovely that she's kind of a klutz and she does not do anything. She's like, ah, you're like, oh my god! But it's she like, knows everything about the dance yes, world, and she absolutely. teaches dance classes, which yeah. she can do too, and be a, a basically she created a, her own show, as you mm-hmm. find out later. But right. yes. She's really talented. She has yeah, something. She's talented something. as a she's, she understands she loves everything. This world. She, right. she doesn't have the coordination. Yeah, she's just <laughs> a good dancer, dancer. But she exactly. knows what needs to happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is something that she loves and she wants to learn to explain. And this is, I mean, another metaphor in the movie. It's just like, you know, like finding the way to express her love of dance, the strikeout life is what the movie is about. Right. Like she is a clumsy mess. And she doesn't know how to uh, dance well is the theme. She wants to dance. She doesn't know how to do it very well. And uh, and thematically, that is she's learning the way to express that. So she is no longer a clumsy moron. Uh, and uh, and but most of the movie is her fucking it up completely <laughs> like it, and making it more and more of a mess of her life as she goes. Which I very much relate to. I remember this is this was <laughs> yeah. a, this was a, this was a uh, uh, a moment. I went to THU as you guys know. THU is a is a conference. It was in Portugal, uh, and it was in Malta for a little bit. And uh, actually, this year I'm going to be going in September. It's going to be in Japan. Very excited about that. Uh, but uh, Scott Ross used to be a big part of THU, and he was giving a talk over at it. And this is one of the moments where I was like. I had a, a new level of respect for Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, specifically he was talking about his career, things he's done. And he, as you guys know, he has a huge love of music and rock and roll, mm-hmm. which is Eric and Scott would bond over the whole different podcast and then tell an extra podcast. Yeah. And yeah, listen to our 100th episode because he was on as a guest uh, on that one. Uh, but uh, specifically, I remember talking to Scott and and uh, or Scott doing his talk and uh, about how much he loves music and jazz and just just passionate about music. And obviously, his career was not necessarily centered around music; it was centered around visual effects and other things like that. And uh, this there was a question that happened from this very young woman who was a student. Probably, I don't know who she was, but she was very young and you could tell that she was really shy, but she was trying to really make a point about this. And she said that and she loved animation so, so much. Mm-hmm. And it was like the, her biggest thing and that she has built her entire career to be an animator. And she's terrified that she's not good at it. Mm. And what if she's not good at being an animator? What can she do in her life? Cause it would destroy her if she couldn't be an animator. And Scott just like, don't worry about it. If you can't animate, there's lots of things you can do. You can be a producer. <laughs> you can do this. Mm. You can do that. You can have <laughs> all of these different roles. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because right. at the yeah. very, very least, 
you can watch a whole lot of animation and still love animation. Mm -hmm. He goes, I have an enormous music collection. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And he said, and he was like, the one thing is like, just because you can't necessarily be good enough to play with a big rock band. Yeah. Doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to love music. Yeah. And it was a wonderful statement from him. I just like, yeah. I really appreciated what he said. Yeah. I think and I've always stuck true. with me. It's like, and you're right, Eric, this movie does that. It's like, she's not a great dancer, yeah. but she this is not about her becoming, um, you know, lead, lead, uh, lead ballerina, you know, no. No, this this is a movie about learning to like. Yeah, this, this is, is not staying alive. <laughs> yeah, this is not staying alive. I mean, this is stay the alive. End. I wonder of itself. Doop, yeah, exactly. Doop, doop, doop. Oh Can you imagine that started playing? Who's who? Who did the music to "Staying Alive"? Is it Stallone? It's Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. This is it. Now, if you've read Frank Sloan writing, writing the music for, uh, for Francis, oh, that would be, be amazing. so great. She's just going down the street. Look for the ATM. Go to the cash dun, machine. Dun, 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 right. Dun, dun, so what have we established so far? Face. This, this episode may go a little long. Are you guys okay with that? Because we still have a lot to go on. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and, uh, so, okay. Uh, she, uh, right. So basically she doesn't have her roommate. She doesn't have her boyfriend and her roommate. They're still friends, obviously, uh, mm -hmm. takes her to a party and, uh, she's starting to, she decides she needs to rebound real quick <laughs> Yep. <laughs> because yep. she doesn't have anyone yeah, to take care of her. her. Yeah, exactly. Like she can't afford the apartment she's in. Right. Like, she's got to figure out what the fuck's going on and she's screwed. Right. And mean, and mean her, like even her gig working at the ballet, ballet, uh, the dance, not troupe, going well. It's not going no. well. Like, I mean, it's like, it's unstable. She's unsure if she can pay. Right. She's like, okay. And well, she's the, the no. worst kiss ass. Yeah. To her boss. To her boss. Like, it's you're so, so funny. I really respect you. <laughs> I really so respect you. Did, like, but she does things like, so I much. love when she gets the, uh, like she gets the, uh, she gets whatever cash back in her taxes or something like this she gets like she a goes spends she's, it immediately she's like i just gotta go i just gotta uh my taxes back do you want to go to dinner and just like instantly fucking blows all of her money she gets money for a minute it just goes away it's yeah. like well yeah. i know people like that yeah exactly exactly literally there are commercials out there about what are you gonna do like like h&r block is like i'm gonna buy myself a new car with my tax rebate hey, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> good god yeah oh man <laughs> but yeah she's like she's she's a, still a child basically yeah you know and she's she's trying desperately to uh w figure out her way in this alien adult world and like she's she's with other you know other uh very young people who uh she's seeing this from the outside like how sort of easy their lives are like they don't have to worry about it i think so they have like here's Adam Driver. He's got a motorcycle. They got a great fucking apartment. They have all these rich friends. You know, just all this stuff. And she's like on the periphery of this. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So yes. So she meets up with these two guys. Uh, one one guy is Adam Driver. The other guy is named Benji. Whatever. Right. Sure. Ben. Yeah. They're <laughs> they're not they're not like rich guys like yeah. like rich guys you would see from like pretty in pink right yeah they're not like the bad guys from mystic pizza you barely notice that they're rich except yeah. that they have a really big apartment yeah for like, 
two they guys are unconcerned like that they're, are they're... art students yes <laughs> and yeah. they don't they just like there's money for worry. things yeah they don't have they to worry they get the fuck around right. they call and, their stepfather yeah and like yeah. And i love like the the writing on especially i mean adam driver holds son just because it's fucking amazing no matter what um but like the kid playing the other one who wants to write oh, for SNL great. is so like beautifully unlikably funny like he says the wrong slightly the wrong thing all the time he oversells the jokes like he's like oh yeah i know i'm just gonna finish my pilot for my my set of skits for snl test for snl like oh weren't you working on the snl thing yeah well you know it didn't work out. i mean like they've been going downhill anyway so <laughs> you're just like this is not gonna go anywhere well, for you <laughs> brilliant right i mean it seems like the guy's like i'm writing my next you know citizen kane that's like swingers you know it's, it's very i was actually thinking swingers a lot like this right. is a, this is a very like it it has much the same sort of like empathy for the for the klutz you know it's like the much of the like much of gerwig's charm fits this into party's dead anyway this party's dead anyway <laughs> or the or the fucking uh the leave a message scene from swingers uh, right oh, you know, that is one of the that's, that's like one of the it, funniest things ever shot it's period. one of the funniest things ever shot but <laughs> if you're gonna say you know top 10 most awkward scenes in a movie now that first of may- all i will say that that uh uh the graduate has several scenes in there yeah Still but nothing, the, nothing on swingers for me. Nothing that, on swingers. Like swingers, the only thing that's in competition uh, for swingers is maybe Dustin Hoffman getting his teeth drilled by Laurence Olivier. <laughs> like it's like the, the the other least comfortable is scene of all time. Is it safe? Is it safe? And can he finish this message machine? <laughs> like that's those are the two most <laughs> horrifying scenes I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, man, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that's only the one just below that is. Uh, uh, uh... <laughs> Shit, I was good. had it all prepared and then I lost Old it. Man Radio. Old Man Radio. W-O-L-D. Uh, <laughs> what was that sound? <laughs> Who's that guy, that thing? Yeah, uh, but, never mind. It's gone. Yeah, but yes. Old Man Radio. So I, on, I would say that, like, uh, Francis I never, station. like, Francis I used saw, to wear an onion on my belt was a fashion at the time. <laughs> But like Francis, uh, uh, though it, I wouldn't go so far as to say it has uh, the the swingers telephone scene in it. It definitely yeah. does has that that sensation pervades the her right. entire experience. Now I do appreciate the fact that everyone in this movie there are no bad people. Yes, it's a no bad guys movie, and that is a wonderful thing. Yep, it's hard to do right? that. Actually, it's very it's a very hard movie to make. As yeah, it is. There are klutzes and people that make mistakes, right? But there's no yeah. bad people, as opposed to graduates. And there's where patch, they're all bad, you know. Like there's <laughs> patch, but still, <laughs> right? Um, right. So anyway, so she gets these new roommates, <laughs> two guys. They get along great. Yeah, they're very nice to her, but clearly they're at a different. She's point like a in mother figure. She just takes care of them. Well, yeah, they and there's a differential in yeah, like like because like when she's like. Uh, I thought you said it was uh, $925 and not uh, 1000 or 200 because I can't yeah, find it. Like, okay. And you can see that he's like, fuck. Like, you can see in Driver's eyes, he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to carry around this all no. the time. But he doesn't show it. He's like, yeah, no, okay, no, of course. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And then he's like, yeah, take it easy. Because it really doesn't matter to him. Like, he, you can see that there's this moment of, like, these kinds of little uh, right. gear dis- dysfunctions are going to happen all the time between them because she is from a much lower financial class and they take all of this for granted. 
it's not going to be a place she can live forever. The other one that I thought was like this great scene was when she once she's had a lot to drink and she's trying to hang out with them and they're all the party's mm-hmm. done and they're she's trying to figure out a way to finagle to hang out with them for the night mm-hmm. because she doesn't have really anywhere to go. Right. And, she, and they're like, yeah, so uh, two blocks that way, there's the F train. Yeah, and they great. tell her how to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's and like, it, I should go. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just go to London. There's the, that's why you pick up the L. And she's like, yeah. Uh, and you could tell, like, she was obviously fucking throwing the line out for, please, can I stay? Can I, just, can I crash on your couch? <laughs> can I crash on your couch? I should go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, you should go. <laughs> yeah. You should I do go. remember I was, oh, this is a funny, weird, weird story. I, I was, I was friend, friends with this guy who I don't remember how I became friends with this guy, but it's back in Houston. But he, his name was, I don't even remember his name. We all called him Big Al. I don't even know if his name mm-hmm. was Al, but we yeah, all just Big called Al him works. Big Al. But uh, he was the kind of guy who would get, get, become friends with all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So I was hanging out and I said, hey, Big Al, I'll pick you up. And so he said, cool. And he goes, uh, you want to go to a party tonight? And I said, okay, sure. Where are we going? He goes, uh, I met this guy at the 7-Eleven. He was buying a bunch of beer. And then I asked what you're buying a beer for. So we're going – so I know we're going to his house to get – he's like, you just – okay. So we're going to some stranger's house because you saw him buying a bunch of beer at 7-Eleven. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I ended up there. Mm-hmm. And we go to this party. And we're having a good time. It's just a big party. Mm-hmm. It's all fine. Everything's good. Miguel proceeds to get very drunk, which is fine. That mm-hmm. happens at parties. Mm-hmm. At which point the party's winding down, and Big Al is at uh, uh, hanging out and talking to this girl, and she's really drunk too. She's older, much older, like maybe five, ten years older than he is, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the person that owns the house, there's a bunch of people crashing on couches, et cetera, comes up to me and says, yeah, so uh, I don't know you guys and the party's done and I can't have you stay at this house. I know he's really drunk, but you got to go. <laughs> I was like, totally get it. There you totally go. get it. Mm-hmm. And so at which point Al says, we're going to her house. She lives across the street. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I go to her house with him and she's just sloshed and she's like, let's get some more beers and stuff like that. And she, and this is like three o'clock in the morning. Right. And he's like about to make out with her and they're mm-hmm. totally trash at two of them. At which point her husband comes downstairs. Hey, <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> I wish Poi was like, what's going on, guys? And I'm like, I'm I'm pale as a sheet. I'm like, <sighs> leaving. <sighs> what a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get this guy out of here. I don't want to be part of this. We are going to sleep really on drunk. the street. Trust me. And he's like, <laughs> my big Al has no idea what's going on. Right. Because he's just drunk and he's like, yep. yeah, there's a girl. She it's wants to make out with me. Yep. Yep. And I was like, oh, that was the worst. It was so awkward. That yeah. was that was my 
That was my telephone moment thing. That was the, the, the profound, endless shame. I don't know why I brought that story up, but I just thought about it. It's a good biggest... story, though. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This is the kind of back memories. This is, I think, that level. That level of shame is how Francis feels most of the time in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was completely a, out of her depth and only heading further down. I think right. That's it. Yeah. So it. anyway, so she doesn't quite nail it. So okay, all right. Where does it go from here? I kind of you guys remind me of it because you guys have seen it more than 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 I have. So she's roommates with Adam Driver and those guys. She can't quite pay the rent. Uh, she's then realizes that she's should be able to pay the rent because she's going to be in the in the winter show, which is when she's going to make the extra money. Money, right. but she's now. But she's not going she's now like you didn't life. make the winter that show. Doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. So and meanwhile, she she's really like, make- yeah, like she's getting more and more estranged in her friendship with her best friend. She is trying. Who, her to, best friend is turning into an adult, and she's not right. You know, That's and what like, is, yeah. and what's like, and her best friend's turning into an adult in the way that you don't want to see people turn into adults. Like she's marrying, moving this, to Connecticut. Yeah, she's like marrying <laughs> this kind of douchebag, and she's losing all. Like she's like one of my favorite lines, and I always say this is when um, Gerwig criticizes her friend and says, uh, "It's one of the best things I've ever heard." She goes, uh, "She goes." Uh, you are judgmental of people who are not as moderate as you and you don't read. <laughs> like, I was like, whoa, that is a harsh thing to say. <laughs> and, but you see, uh, uh, you see her, like she's, she works in publishing her friend. Right. And, uh, she doesn't read and she's marrying fucking Patch, who she was complaining about at the beginning of the movie. That's right. And you're just like, Oh no, the worst thing is happening. <laughs> yep. Like and uh you know, and then and then ultimately she's like and from the outside, so she doesn't understand what's happening with her friend. Uh and her friend is also doing things like moving to Japan with Patch. And so she's like, I am fucking this up entirely. Like how how she's going off not only being an adult, but she's like m- going to be living in Japan. Like that's how like She's having this experience I could never ever have. Yes. You know, and and she's she, struggling. She's going to get married and live in Japan, right? Like it's, it sounds like a, kids. An, an absolute fantasy. Yeah. And, and I, and, I'm still trying to figure out how to come up with an extra two hundred dollars for rent to share yeah, with my And roommates. she's like just paddling to get by the whole time, and right. like you know, like yeah, everything it is just sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And so, like the feeling that she has of being like in like when she's just outside the circle with just her roommates. Now it's being expressed like she's just outside the circle in her job. Like she doesn't get to like, oh, yeah. she's, and yeah. then she's just, she's way outside the circle with her own best friend. Like she's like more and more thrown free of but, comfort. Zone. But right at that moment, it's because it was supposed to be a Christmas pageant. Mm-hmm. She ends up going home for Christmas. Yes. Which is really great. I love that. <laughs> Such a fucking but good I, bit. Yeah. <laughs> like because in and, Sacramento. In Sacramento, which is where she originally is from, yeah, where Gregory's from, and she also makes a movie about it with Ladybird. Yeah, she makes a movie about it with Ladybird, and Man. those are her real parents. So good as it's her parents. So good, it's so good. <laughs> like, it's like all the little parents things they say. Oh, <laughs> it's exactly like, like going home for Christmas. It's so, yeah. it's so lovely. And so What's wonderful like, about it is she does such a good job, or the, the story does such a great job of showing it like 
how familiar and how foreign it is at the same time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because I have grown up, I don't do that. So she's between, it's what it portrays is that she's between, she's not the little girl anymore. Right. Although she knows what that's about, Mm -hmm. but she's not an adult either where she can do things independently. So she's still depending on her parents who, by the way, her parents also say we can't afford to help. We can't keep paying for you essentially. Yeah. Just like, I wish you could like (laughs) when she's walking through the woods and she's just like, she's on the phone with her mom. And she's like, like, where are you? Like, it's just like, well, at least in nature, you, you know, you can't spend any money. And uh, your mom's like, where are you now? Nature. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's very sweet how, like, she is being disconnected from all of her support systems in in every single scene, you know? And like, so she feels more and more at sea. And like, she's then hanging out with um, the dancer from work. She doesn't super like, but she's oh, trying to like. Do you know who that person is? Who yes, is the girl from Succession. The the that's Meryl Streep's daughter. Oh, which makes one? sense. Yeah, she looks like her. That's which I, yeah. one? Yeah, the the the, 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 the friend non friend. The, the, the friend, one yes. she's yeah. But she the girl it. that's at one of the dinner parties is one of the girls from Succession. It's from Succession. Yes, yes. Um, but she's My like wife picked that out. She she's trying to like build a per, like build a similar friendship to the friendship she had she's before. trying to restore the, the friendship yeah. she had and this is and possibly the biggest nod to manhattan the manhattan lobster scene when alvi tries to get a a new girlfriend to appreciate the comedy that's, not, of, that's annie hall i'm sorry annie hall uh from the from uh from <laughs> old, man, hall. old man yeah, it's old man but it's the old annie manhattan that movie um but the lobster scene from annie hall yeah when he, he tries to recreate he tries to recreate that situation that's what yeah. she tries to do and it's like when she because in the beginning of the movie you see her and her friend have this thing where they just start slap fighting really hard right and it's very charming. It's behind sweet. you right now. <laughs> yeah, which is hysterical. They, like they just start pushing each other and slapping, grabbing each other, and wrestling and all this kind of stuff. And it's very, it's very sweet and funny. And she starts telling this other pseudo friend about like, oh, thanks for letting me live with you. This is great because we could be friends. My friend and I used to like just have play fights and be like this. <laughs> she pushes the shit. Out She's like, her. what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> no, it's like this. <laughs> 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 It's so fuck, and you're just like, oh god, Francis, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. and she ends up hanging out with her, and she goes back to see her, like her friends and family in one of the most awkward dis- dinner conversations I've ever seen, where she's trying to pretend like she's an adult with all these people who are clearly. Oh, I. This is actually one of the scenes that I love because she basically is. It's it's a I don't give a fuck scene. Yeah, oh she's not God. pretending. Actually, yeah. I don't think she's pretending. She's just like, well, this is what's going on. Yeah, it's like this is the <laughs> shit that's happening in my life. Yeah, and, oh my God. and she's doing it. She's not trying to brag or anything. Yeah. She's like, oh no, it's this, and they're all like, oh, <laughs> and suddenly uh, she realizes you sound pretty fucked up. <laughs> you sound pretty fucked, but they're also kind of intrigued by her. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, she's she's a fascinating train because she's them. fascinating. She's like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then, oh, like, shit. this is like, yeah, there's a guy who's <laughs> That's just like, oh, she's just a train wreck. Yeah, she's, she's a train wreck. And, right. and they're like, oh, this is fascinating. And yeah. then, and the, the guy, they're bragging about all how wonderful their lives is and how yeah, I'm a lawyer and I have a little part in France. In Paris and, yeah, exactly. And, uh, That's a wonderful And so stuff. it's like, I'm going to go to France. It's like, uh, okay. yeah, cause, yeah, cause he that says, like, we like, have this lovely Pierre de Pierre de Terre in France, right? And she, yeah. and, and he just casually says, oh, if you're ever there, you can just like let us know and you can stay there. And then just as she's leaving this incredibly awkward, 
uh, uh, dinner party, right? She's like, oh, you know what? It turns out I'm going to France this weekend. <laughs> and he's like, but, but that's a big change do you for wanna, her character. Do you want to stay at uh, my at our apartment? <laughs> right? She's yes. getting bored yes, to grab what she wants. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it's it's a stumbly kind of thing, a way to do it, but she's right. really trying. What's funny know? about that is you like, okay, so she's going to go to Paris. and Yes. You have two days in Paris because that's all right. she has time to do. And in any it's other movie. It's extraordinarily expensive for her. She has no right. money. Yeah, and she's and she's she got a new credit card. She gets a new credit card. Jacks it up. Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> so good? Free money. Needs like, needs her ex friend, her old friend on the street, and he's with her, some new girlfriend. And the girlfriend's just like, "Oh, how are you affording to go? That's very expensive." And he's just like, "Oh, I got a new credit card." You know, I'm just like, "Well, that's not very smart." And she's like, "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're very pretty. Yeah. And like and then she goes to France. And like what's awesome is in any other movie it'd be like France and then right. she's like free and blah 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 Nothing blah. Nothing happens. Nothing like this happens. Because it's only like, two days. It's two days. She's like and she oh, sleeps more. through it most because she took a, a, a drug to make her sleep. <laughs> she sleeps That's the best afternoon. part of the She tries to go to a bookstore and it's closed. <laughs> it's fucking there is, there is there is a you guys watch Portlandia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a great Portlandia uh, skit that they do where like he wants to do this romantic thing with this girl and go to Italy for like the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> because of all the problems, she can't sleep on a plane, so she's completely jet lagged. <laughs> they end up they end up in a like a terrible little hotel because it's last minute. And like he's trying to pee, but the bathroom has no door, so it's like ah, uh, you know. And they yeah. just met, right? And it's like this: everything is terrible about everything. And then that, like, by the time like they just start getting their shit together, they have to go to the airport to go back because it's only right. there for the weekend, right? Right. And so there's a couple of pictures of them happy in Rome, but that's it. And they're like, yeah. "You must have had a great time in Rome." I was like, "Nah." Because really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, in two days, like just the yeah, travel. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, so, like, she, like, and even when she go, when she, like, there's a scene where she's like, you know, she's sitting and she can tell oh, she's, she's trying to meet out. someone in Paris. Yeah, so she has try- a friend in Paris and she's excited and, and she leaves several calls messages. Her and calls her and calls her. No call. She backs. finally gets the call when she's like in the Lincoln Tunnel coming yeah. back from Japan. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, we'd like, love to what? see you. We can, I can have a party. There's all and these there's great guys that you can totally meet. get along with. She's in the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah. Like, and like, and the way they shoot everything in Paris is like, there's a shot where she's just like, fuck. Right. And she like steps out of the shot and then. In the way in the background, you see like the Eiffel Tower is revealed. Like, I mean, she's she doesn't get to see. There's nothing. She's like spends more time in the shitty tight little elevator. She tries to go see Shrek or something like that. Yeah. Like, exactly. Oh my god. It's oh yeah. So no, Puss good. in Boots. Like Puss she tries boots. to get a ticket. What's the Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. Parents. It's fucking gold, man. It's great. And then she gets back and she's like, "Fuck, I know. Now I'm in debt. I'm in debt." No, I'm twice as worse off as I was before. She has to take a job as a fucking RA, uh, as, as, yeah, as an RA at her old college, and which means that she can't take dance classes, which she, which she was hoping to audit. Right? Yeah, and then so she has to take a job. But then, further. The, 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 and and then people at the school are like, like "Aren't you a student? So old. Nope, yeah, no, well, I'm like 27." <laughs> you know like this like i love she's like uh, out of a folding table with another student and the student is like 18 <laughs> she she's like so little impressed kid. by her she's, she's like, just like wow is... <laughs> like everything is horrible she ends up being like 
uh, working uh, as a as a wine pourer for a uh, um, what do you call it for a catering business, you know? Right. And I just uh, pour. No, I just pour. Right. And uh, and oh, that, that, that's, that's I love that scene. This, so there's a there's a, this important politician that shows up, right? And the cater the head caterer is like, she's an important politician. Your job is to make sure that she's always taken loaded. Care of. <laughs> yeah, always taken care of. Always taken care. Of. So just she's here to give us money. Her. Make sure you're pouring yeah. a lot of wine. Uh, uh, she, she's like uh, Gregory Hines from History in the World. Just pour yes. the wine. Yes, <laughs> just pour the wine. That's it. And yeah, like and you know, this, so this woman is like you know wandering around the party and just like hitting on guys and all this young, shit. Young, 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 guy. young guys. Young yeah. guys. It's and she's awesome. and then in the background, she's <laughs> making out with them. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally hysterical. And then while she's there, she suddenly sees her best friend is also best there with, friend, pa- yeah. with Patch. Right. Right. And she basically made Patch go to this thing to give money to the school uh, so she could meet the fucking famous um, politician. And so right. like the the friend is like hammered off her ass and tries to go kiss the politician's ass. Just like, you're so inspiring. And this is my douchebag fiance. You're <laughs> just like, oh God. And so Francis finally sees her friend in a Who's total, very drunk. Who's in a train wreck state just like herself. Right. Right. And because her life is not exactly going the way it's she not wants. the fucking fantasy land of Japan uh, right. where everything is wonderful. And the blog is talking, talking about how incredible their lives Here's are. Here's the thing, Chris, you started off like, I don't like this film or no, oh, yeah. he's, no, no, he's fair, he said, like, like there's a, there's a certain thing. There's a sex in the cityness about the, the isolated world experience yeah. that I totally get that if you bump off of, it's hard to get into the movie. But like in going through the movie, I hope you see like That's, the, I'm the, the, the joy. Is, but yeah. I don't I mean, think there's anything Sex in the City about it. Just oh, not to defend, I, because Sex in the City is based off like just the not reality. Well, it's so Sex in the City ultimately is the opposite of this because it's That's so right. shallow, right? But I but like, understand. however, structurally and the way that it represented it, it is there's a similarity. Those, like, I right? totally, I totally get what you're saying. And so the. I understand that there's absolute differences, but you can understand that I can see Sex in the City in this. They are because of that. And as someone who reacts very negatively to Sex in the City. Right. Because, because I, it's I a selfish, arrogant bunch of bullshit. I, I didn't see any Sex in the City in well, no, I like, find it to be one – and uh, the problem I have with Sex in the City, and maybe, you know, I don't know. Besides being like, shit. Yeah. Is, is that it was – It's a narcissistic, it loved by self-indulgent a lot of women mess. And, it is the most anti-feminist piece of oh, it's garbage. Yeah, it's horrible. I've, I hate um, it. Yeah, I mean, yes, like it's but it's but but uh, Eric to the again to, it has to nothing point. to do like I, 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 thank you I, the, the, Daniel the, thank the you sense, just you defend me because I can't do okay. it apparently. But the, the <laughs> thing is is that like if you just if you see the setup without any forward movement in the plot of Francis Ha, you just see the setup about this um, this person who is living a pampered life and a very particular uh uh experience in new york that is uh glory uh, that is glorified from their point of view in a way that is uh very narrow in its perception that's the starting point of francis ha and sex in the city except that sex in the city endorses doing that and francis ha is all about not doing that so like it's just the, it's just the the starting gun the frame is something where Chris I and to correct me if I'm wrong you're like I hope it doesn't turn into a fucking sex in the city mess because that's definitely what the absolutely setup is. absolutely yeah I mean <laughs> so, I, I totally get that understand from the beginning it. I just got young professionals 
Yeah, no, I get it, I get it. And to be and to be fair to you, Eric, like I think that this movie so instantly describes something you actually experienced. Like it's hard to it's like you're plugged in immediately. Like there's just it's it's right there. And there is okay, so a lot of both Sex and the City and this thing focuses on characters that are myopic. Yes, exactly. Jason Jason put that word in the chat, so I'm gonna use it. And and uh Sex in the City uh, challenges that differently. This one does a good job of doing it, except for me, it was hard to get out of that. Uh, yeah, the, the moment, initial right? state of mind is like, right? is this movie going to celebrate myopia? And because that's a it, fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, no shit. Right. And so I am trying, honestly, like I said, I'm using this podcast as a method for me to get out of it. To get in tune with the, to get the in experience tune with of the movie. And right. so as we're discussing all these right. things, Eric, yes, I'm learning to appreciate it and understand so it. So because like you no, saw it, you, like you saw I'm just saying, yeah, I, like, I'm not trying to be, it's not a gotcha. I was just like, you know, you, you thought it was a certain thing and I'm not defending this movie as the greatest movie, but I'm I didn't, I couldn't thing. see any <laughs> sex in the city and sure. I'm just making a comment to your, both of your comments and I'm not, I'm just offering, you know. But My like, opinion, but, but Chris, I just you did definitely see, didn't see that right. because it there was a, there was a lot of reality to that, even though the characters. What's were the other comedic. show? I, I never saw it, but there's a what's the other HBO show? Go, Girls or whatever, like that. That like you, oh, actually, this is like this. This gone wrong for me is Girls. Like like this yeah, where I'm just that like was, this. what's her name to uh, the yeah. writer. Like I, I really, I'm, I, I'm not trying to defend anything. So, so I, no, 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 no. you're not. You're just, I just couldn't see Sex and City because Sex and City is to me the death of hope. But it's also, um, it's so not real in so many ways. Oh yeah, I think think what we've established here, which I think is really interesting, is like you know, like Daniel reacted very negatively to Barbie because of a reaction he had to Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it How the hell are you going to get a connection between right. Return of the Jedi and Barbie? Yeah. But yeah. somehow it made sense. But in, once in, we in, went in talking the about in talking about it, I was just right. like, yes, I can see I can see this movie much clearer now. Right. Um then my initial reaction is so colored by I my think that's hatred also of this Noah. other very flawed experience. There was film references there too. There mm-hmm. were cultural references that it seemed like it was Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. It's writing rather than there was like the film kind of references, even in Barbie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's I, like a filmmakers kind of, I don't know either of these people. So it's hard for me to say, like, I don't really know how, like their two personalities in terms of the art that they communicate seem opposed to me. I don't know how it works out for them. So I don't know because like, but like they're working this together came together very beautifully. And I can say like for you, Chris, essentially like the reason like your your target in this podcast is like by the end of the movie, which we're coming up to now, uh, you saw you now saw where the movie was going all along, and it now you go like I should probably reappraise this because yes. like it's it was go it, it went entirely in a different direction than I had initially assumed it might, and I missed out on enjoying. I don't some necessarily stuff. say that. I just think like it's more it's. L- it's more like I think there's something that I got distracted by. Yeah, absolutely. That that spoiled absolutely. it. I totally we're going it. through, I totally and so it. talking through it like we're doing now. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. Is, it's very helpful. And and then as I'm, you know, you can clearly see I'm getting excited talking about this. Yeah, scenes. it's like it's once once you tune into this movie, like yeah. it's such a loving, wonderful 
kind experience. And like literally when I rewatched it this, this early morning, there's a moment in this movie that I, that if I were to put together like the, the greatest moments in movies, it would definitely be in the top 100 is falling down. Oh, falling down when she's running, going back for the cash machine. It makes me laugh my ass off every single time, but it's the, um, uh, when for a moment, everything seems to be going right. And it cuts to the David Bowie, uh, modern love, modern right. love uh, right. needle drop, and she is dancing across. That the must street. have been the most expensive needle drop of the movie. <laughs> and it is so. Um, I am so elated every time yeah. I started crying. I was. I literally like tears. You do that all the time. Tears on my face. Count anymore. That's no. Count. This is what I'm saying. Like, it, like, it, it, like. <laughs> this is what you like, cry this, on the when, podcast all the absolutely. Time. <laughs> but this, but that's because but, um, when movies do it right, there's literally no experience that uh, right. can dwarf it. It's just incredible. And this movie has a couple of this really, really amazing. Movies, I'll tell you that. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. But uh, so basically, her drunken friend, yeah, the concert. At which point she brings her drunken friend back in. They're like their old roommates again, taking care of yep. each other when they're drunk. At which yep. point her friend reveals to her how she's not happy in Japan. She's she a fucking mess. Had a kid or lost a kid. I forgot what yeah, she had. Was a miscarriage. She had a know, miscarriage. Like, fucking I was like, what? The fuck? Angry it's jerk. Terrible. <laughs> and yeah. he says, oh, don't worry. We can just live. We can move back here and live together. And so to her, suddenly it's like, it's all going to be back to where it was. Right. We're going to be back to where I wanted to be at the beginning of the movie. Right. It's all good. So right. she's super excited, but her friend is really freaking drunk, throws right. up in her garbage can in the dorm, which in is funny dorm. because yes. it's they're, they're living there. She's passed out in the dorm room. Yes, exactly. Which is she's really not funny. Right. <laughs> yes. And it's like there should, they should be adults by now. Yes. And, yeah. It was really depressing to see her like poor drinks. Yeah, oh God, dude! It's, and uh, all the reaction from the students, like, yeah. what? It's like it's so yeah, it's like it's so perfectly sad that it's funny, right? But, yeah, and like and and then after that, her friend, her friend wakes up, wakes up. Right. Go ahead, tell him. And uh, and she like uh, she writes a note to her, you know, describe like so sorry about like blah blah blah. I can see that you know I was a mess, and that's why I'm leaving right now. And everything, I'm gonna get my life, you know. I'm going to work out everything, blah, blah, blah. And she just gets in the car and drives off. And in like, they're so just out of sync, essentially. So Francis is running out the door after her, screaming for her to come back as her car drives away. And her, her friend doesn't hear her and drives away. And so you're just like, she's left. She's left again. Like, okay. So it's not exactly going to happen. They're all going to just live in New York again. Yeah. It's all going to be just the way it was and anyone yeah. who knows that uh the hero's journey you've come back to the same place but you cannot it won't be the same yeah. <laughs> that's not the way that it works that's why you don't go back to the same place <laughs> this is why this is why uh yeah but yes that like it's, but this is on. the learning experience of of the film unlike barbie where they end up exactly at the same point at the same point which is what mattel demanded but anyway you know what she's she is a brilliant brilliant director and writer i really love her and i can imagine the pressure on working on barbie because you had these executives probably 
Yeah, she did everything she could with that movie to make the statements that she wanted and she to make. Probably and she probably made some decent money on that deal. Oh, shit, God, she's she's she primed to do whatever she wants now for the rest of her life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm very I'm very happy for her. She's a tremendous. She's one of the greatest directors working today, and yep. she made a shitload of money on Barbie. I'm very happy for her. Yeah, because now she can go do what she wants to yep. do. Totally free. I think that's great. But yeah, so to totally. sum sum up the end Sex of the movie, in the City Eight. She'll she's be the like, Chris Nolan of. Female directors. I love it. That it would be great because as, as, as Greta Gerwig intended, I would watch that. I don't know. Oh, dude, as Greta Gerwig intended. Yes. <laughs> Which, as Greta Gerwig intended on your bed with a blanket around you on a chilly night with, with a, a window open with a snuggie. It's <laughs> <laughs> Greta Gerwig intended. <laughs> Eating exactly. pop brownies. This movie has been released by Snuggie <laughs> with a with a snuggie as part of the DVD collection. I think I would definitely buy this. I'm sorry. Are we stereotyping? Greta, if you're listening to the podcast, we didn't mean it that yeah, way, but hopefully you that. understand that's that we endear you films. and love you. Oh my God. You know, Greta, as a fan of Martini Giant, I'm just want to ask you. It's <laughs> yes, exactly. Sure that you know, please write us We didn't back. mean so that sorry. in a demeaning way. We thought you're a wonderful person. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but yes. Anyway, to sum it up, uh, this, like, she finally decides to take action slowly to put her life to- together the way that she knows. Take, take some responsibilities and take a hold of things. Like, she goes That's back right. and she gets. The job that she turned down at the because the dance company uh, woman was like, well, we can't use it as a dancer, but we, we can, can use, use you as a receptionist. As a receptionist, exactly. you know, and uh, and so she takes that gig, and then she uses that money to pay for like her life, and she starts she uh, choreographs a dance in a small shitty theater, you know, uh, and the dance itself is good and represents the movie. Like you see the her journey essentially played out yeah. as as modern dance and everyone's there and they sort of, and like, her, oh. and, and her mentor or the dance teacher is there yeah, and she's like, smiling oh, and, yeah. and proud of her. Yeah. Nice job. This is, this is a great first piece. This is, and she doesn't care because her best friend comes and she and her best friend way. shows up. Exactly. And so like, with like things come back together, only now she is making, now she is taking control of her life. Uh, and she even gets her own shitty little apartment to herself. Uh, and this is where the punchline of the movie comes, where she is going to write her name out, which is Frances Harrington, I think. And she's going to write it out, put it in the mail slot or the door um, buzzer list. Mail and slot. she writes it you know, and, uh, and she writes it and she tries to stuff it in there and it won't fit in the slot. So she folds it over. And the only thing you can see is Frances Ha. The end. Which is beautiful. <laughs> which is perfect. Literally perfect. Yeah. It's like the ending of, of, Broadway Danny Rose, where he yeah. runs down the street. Oh, God. It's like this This movie. That's the end of the story. Yeah. Like the, the, the perfect button on a, on a perfect experience. Both like this is just these a gentle, wonderful. Yeah. Perfect endings. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely flawless. And like, like I said, like these are, these are, endings. these are set of like, these are op- opposing movies. One's extremely optimistic and one's extremely cynical. Um, but they are about cynical, the same journey. Yeah. But the, okay. So the opposite of optimistic is pessimistic. Pessimistic. Yeah. So like but this is cynical is cynical a way exactly. better way of describing <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, the like, graduate. Yeah. Cynical. It's a, it goes beyond like pessimistic means like, yeah, this is probably not going to work. No, this, uh, graduates like not only is it not going to work out, 
it's a joke that you even fucking thought it might. <laughs> yeah, it's sarcastic. Almost. You're an idiot. Yeah. Everything is terrible. Good yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're a bunch of losers for coming to this movie. <laughs> Yet, it was one of the top 10 gro- highest grossing films of Which I'm very time. happy for I'm everyone shocked. involved. And it's a great film. It's a You're talking about The Graduate. Film. The Graduate, yeah. yeah. I can't believe it made a $100 million dollars in 1967. How much? Hundred million. million bucks, dude. That's insane for like, that's like gone with the wind money. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. It was one of the top ten highest grossing films of all time after three years. Because of course, as you know, movies would stay in theaters for, for years. a year or yeah. two because yeah, there was no t- TV or yep. the way yep. it was. So and so there's they, no yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I mean, obviously they they did have TV by that point, but that system was still in place. And like, I mean, I remember like when Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back came out. Like Empire Strikes Back was out for fucking at least a year. You yeah, the E.T. Right. E. E. was in theaters for eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just keep on going and going and going and going and going. It's crazy. Yeah, you I, forget I, about that, but that's true. That's right. There was the no only... VHS tape, so the only yeah, way if exactly. you want to see E.T., just keep on going to the movies. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, now now it's like I have to go with it. I have to go downtown. I have to go to the Alamo Draft House if I ever want to see a movie on on the big screen again. That's crazy. That's well, thing. movies movies are out on on streaming within instantly five six weeks. Dude, it's like Asteroid City was home by the time I got home from the Cape watching Asteroid City. Wow, was really? Like, is it on? Jesus. Is it on streaming already? It's, yeah, you can rent it. Pretty well, much. interesting. Like it. We it? tried to go see um, Indiana Jones the other day, and they put it at the theater. They put it in a small oh. theater with like six seats. And there wasn't, it, there wasn't it were only the seats in front of the screen. So our necks would be killed. So I just saw last night that it's coming to video. So, yeah, but wait. the tickets were $46 <laughs> and I know the video rental is, even if I bought it, it would be 25 bucks. 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Did. No, so actually, why go I'm going to say that's a, that's a great movie to see on video. That's a movie where you're just like, you're, if you watch it at home on video, you're going to go like, oh, it was pretty good. I like that. If you go to the thin movie forty six dollars without snacks for the tickets. Yeah, that's fucking silly. That's dumb. Yeah. However, I will spend uh twenty bucks to go see Silence Lambs at the uh, the Look Theater in three weeks. So there you go. That's like going to yeah. That's like going to this is actually Spielberg brought this up like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And he said that the theater experience is going to turn like like going to a opera. Going to most things should be on will probably be on your big TV, and then you'll have the a few experiences where you see them on the big screen, and you'll dress up to go, and you'll pay hundred dollars a ticket to go something like that. For sure, yeah, yeah. This is not this is not the the AMC stuff. I don't know how. Well, because the it's it's kind of huge rebound recently. Yeah, huge rebound thanks to Chris Nolan and Greta Gerwig. Yeah, well, I mean, Oppenheimer is is seven hundred million global. Like Op- Oppenheimer, a three hour movie about a physicist. Yeah, like that's fucking insane. Great movie, incredible movie, but like, yeah, like that's yeah. People people still do love those kinds of experiences. The thing that's going to be happening though is that no one's going to like the studios are going to misinterpret that completely. Sure. As, as, as they will it. Barbie too. They're going to like yeah. Barbie. We need to sell more toys. Like, yeah. Here's nope, the Tonka truck movie. The whole yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. stupid. Yeah, Any news on the front with the, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Don't say anything. If you're going to say what you're going to say. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> okay. What, what, what were you going to say? Talking about Sorry. the strikes? Is that what you're going to ask, Eric? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. Yep. Sorry, I thought for a moment I thought we were talking about something else. Go ahead. About what? I can't say. Oh. <laughs> no, like any news from um, there's the... no news on the strikes that I know of. I know I've heard they've t- gone back and forth and they've gone That's to the right. table, yeah. but I, there's no news as far as I know. I do. The only news I'm concerned about right now is that there's going to be a hurricane that's going to hit us. Yes. Uh, tonight. So really, tonight. Yes. See how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it probably be a tropical tropical storm by the time it gets here, but yeah. But it's going to be it's going to be intense. We're expected two and a half inches of rain uh, tonight. Very so quickly. I, yeah. yeah. So in fact, uh, I got to go outside and deal with some gutter situations. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we we live uh, below in we live in the foothills, so we'll just have to see how things go down. Yep. Hopefully, it's not. It's actually the Palm Springs and the Death Valleys of the world. Those are the ones that are going to be really fucked. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's bad news. So yeah, we'll we'll see how things go. Hope everyone's safe and okay. Yes. Yeah. It's currently some places in California will receive as much rain as they do in a whole year in 24 hours. Yeah. So there especially will be... the desert, pretty much, pretty yeah. much the desert is going to get screwed up pretty bad. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up because we are running late and thank you guys so much for joining us on this. Uh, great show. Thank you. Great show. show. Thank you, Jason in chat. Some great comments. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate. And uh, we will see you next time. Uh, I next few weeks. So next week, Eric and I might do a watch party. Actually, I don't think we can do a watch party because I actually have a couple things going on. So the week after that, I will be in London. So it's going to be a couple weeks before we do another podcast or another thing. So yep. just letting you guys I'm know that be out because for a I know weeks, Daniel's yep. going so, on a vacation. Yep. So, uh, so we'll be out for a little bit. Uh, but besides that, uh, the normal schedule of podcasts is all fine because we've recorded these. And so you guys should be able to have all your normal podcasts. So, but for now, thanks so much for joining us for The Graduate and Francis Ha. Are you guys ready? Let's do yes. it. Yes. Drink. Talk. Drink. Talk.